Hello and welcome to Acting Out, a podcast where we take a selection of an actor's filmography and break it down film by film to discuss why they are an actor we feel it makes sense to do a podcast talking about. My name is Mitchell Beaupre and I am joined here by my co-host Ryan McQuaid. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Mitchell. How are you? I'm, I'm all right. I'm pretty excited about today's episode. We've got a good film going on and to to tackle that film we are well let's well you know well maybe varying opinions <laughs> to to tackle today's film we are joined by a very special guest uh, a movie trivia maestro the co-founder <laughs> of the film stage the co-host of the b-side my favorite podcast no <laughs> no offense to us and this man also known a world renowned Lady Killer himself. It is Dan Mecca. How are you, Dan? Wow, I love it. Yes, I mean, look, everybody knows me as a Lady Killer. I have a very a baby like reputation amongst <laughs> um, Cinephile Game Night fans. Look, they come out. You know, you know, when we have a Cinephile Game Night event, people come out of the woodwork. What can I say? Yeah, I see. I've seen the numbers on on the Zoom <laughs> views for those, and they're all they're all young single women. Yeah, Just look, it's my return. cross to bear, and um, what it yeah, it is what it is. You know what I mean? I can't complain. I think look, everybody has their has their own peccadillos, and and uh, yeah, I'm a lady killer. No, um, thank you so much. What an honor this is. It's great to be on the show. Obviously, in one of the earlier episodes, I've been listening to your Tom Hanks coverage. Um. Let me ask you a question. You're, I'm sure you're not doing this movie. Are you going to do Dragnet? No way. No, we, we've already we've already passed. We've already okay. Passed. I, I, I don't we want it because you do a cro- you're doing it chronologically. Chronologically. Right? Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. So as we're recording, yeah. So this is you done. Okay. Right. You've yeah. done what you've done already. Okay. So even by the time you got to League of Their Own and everything, yeah. Dragnet yeah. was because I was just looking. Obviously, as I prepared for this, of course, the Lady Killers is what we're focusing on. But of course, I went. And look back and I was like, man, Dragnet is such a weird one <laughs> that he did in his Michael Keaton period. You know, right. he's like, yeah. if he wasn't getting roles, Keaton was getting in and vice versa, like Dragnet and him and Dan Aykroyd. It's like, it's not really, a, it's like a little bit of a comedy, but it's basically a straightforward like cop movie. <laughs> it's like, which is like based on a, not a cop, not a comedy at all TV show Dragnet. Right. It's just mm-hmm. very, and like, Hanks is the comic relief. Yeah. Aykroyd is the straight Aykroyd, man. He's the straight man. I mean, it was in that period of Aykroyd trying to, you know, he was it's getting an weird. Oscar nomination. Yeah. He was, he was really, right, yeah, it's right before, it's before right my before. girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he hasn't gotten the nom yet, but it's right. He's like, yeah. he's leading he's, into it. He, yeah. He's like post DC cap or not DC cap post, um, doctor, or whatever it's called, uh, from the early eighties. Like he's like, he's a star. Yeah. It's weird. It's, that's a weird one. Anyway. Yeah. Lady killers, baby. <laughs> the Cohen brothers. Hey, the Cohen brothers. It's Cohen brothers. It's, movie. It is. It is a Cohen brothers movie. Yep. Which is, you know, some would say. Some would say that uh, this is when the trouble all started, and uh, this is why they're no longer together anymore. Right. <laughs> I mean, I would love. I mean, has I mean, anything come out about? There's been no like definitive. No. Other than just, just like, look, we wanted to do separate things. What if it like at what if like at Thanksgiving, Dan? They were just like, you know what? Well, you, f- you fucked up lady killers and I'm never talking to you again. Yeah, you hey, they never, like, they never so, got like, over it. like Joel. Joel's like, hey man, pass the AMs, asshole. You know, hey, you were the one who wanted to remake that Alexandra McKendrick movie that everybody loves. 
We're all I think, putting I it think, on. I think, I think it's what Kendrick directed. Yeah. Like you were the one who wanted to direct <laughs> that perfect Alec Guinness movie. Okay, you wanted to remake it. Look what happened, man. You're so, happy? This you movie happy? is so crazy with inside the Coen Their Brothers career because it's like yeah. right in the middle. It's like sandwiched right in the middle of it. They are following. Well, so it's at all, the beginning of it, cruelty. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, yeah. they're following that. And before that, it's like, what is it? The the man who the man who wasn't there is right. The man who wasn't there. But they had they were on a roll. I was going to say this. Yeah. So this. Yeah. This period, I think it's so fascinating with the Coen brothers, because after this, it it will be three years until No Country. And then No Country is really the movie where it's like everybody, everybody shut up. The masters are talking. (laughs) And then you would argue that's still going on. Right. Because even like. Even though they they have they are now making separate pieces of work like Tragedy of Macbeth by Joel, there's a reverence with which it's received. I mean, like I loved the Tragedy of Macbeth. I know not everybody did, but oh, like it's, it's I think yeah, it's I think good. it was my second favorite movie last year. But like it, these movies are received with with like an auteur, like you know, well, film, they're like the, events. Yeah. They're events yeah. within the year, and I mean, yeah. like I I would say that. For me, Mitchell, I don't know what your relationship is with the Coen Brothers. Actually, we've never. We're pretty. Cl- we're pretty close. Oh, okay. Do you well, you call- know Ethan, right, Mitchell? You I know. know I know I, Ethan. And, I, and see, I, I know Joel. And Jerry that's how I was going to say. Ryan knows Joel. I know so Joel. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I know. I know Fran. So it's, for me, <laughs> you know Fran. I know Franny, but it's weird it's because shit. even though they're all related and married and what have you, it's like. Wait, you know, we they you're, run you're different... only allowed you're only allowed to talk to yeah. one. They run we, in different. Do we circles. do you all know Sam? Sam Raimi? I don't know Sam. I don't. Oh, okay. I do know Roderick. Uh <laughs> Roger Haynes. James. James, I do know James, Rod. yeah. You yeah. know Rod. We call him Rod, but yeah. yeah. Um no, but I always but so so a couple of just quick things with with uh well Tom Hanks, obviously, but but the Lady Killers marks this funny moment because it's the end of Hanks's run yeah of, right of he made the hundred million dollars you know, what is it it's like right it's like from league of their own to whatever came right before this it's like they all made Cash other than can. that yeah, yeah right all yeah. other than that thing you do which he's a supporting role and it's like they all made a hundred million dollars they all basically were critical darlings and this is kind of the end of that which is interesting yeah. um it's obviously them working with hanks alone is interesting he's doing a very big character which is also interesting we're recording this right after can happen where elvis is like right the next huge hanks character that's <laughs> this is like this is like that in. character in the lady killers put on crack cocaine and prosthetic yeah, and makeup and it's like hanks has done these things and i think this this that thing that he does, if I may, is um okay. is thank you. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, look, I'm gonna leave. I'll let you guys keep talking. Um, but he, it's like a very, I don't know that he's great at it, but I think he's always having fun when he's doing it. And I think your mileage on wh- however he's doing these kind of large characters may vary, right? Obviously, and so I think you see that with the can notices for Elvis, and obviously um everything you know but but same same here i think a lot of the criticism of this movie was like what is hanks doing right I think. yeah um yeah. and but you know the cohen's to bring back to the initial point fargo is kind of this huge step up right where now they're getting nominated slash winning oscars and then lebowski is kind of a curio at the time people don't know what to make of it it isn't a huge hit 
And then, but they have a lot of cachet. And so then you get something like, Oh brother, Mm-hmm. Which does do well and does get nominated and is yeah. the beginning of the George Clooney collaboration. One like one like album of the year at the Grammys. Oh yeah, T Bone yeah. Bernie. Like, it's like, it was like really holy music, shit. Yeah. This movie is big in all facets. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, a, huge a, film a, a cultural, a cultural touchstone, yeah. even to this day, I'd say. And then so so point is you have these kind of big moments for the Coens. So the man who wasn't there is like one of their weirder, smaller, most experimental movies, a movie I love. It's like it's, I think it's one of their best. Yeah. Yeah, one of it's, Billy Bob's best performance, yeah. right when Billy Bob was right in the pocket there and like young Scarlett Johansson, um, a million other people in that movie. And um, and then you have their like big movie star Hollywood comedy period for like two movies. Yeah. Which is intolerable cruelty and the lady killers, both of which are still two of their highest grossing movies, by the way. Yeah. Intolerable cruelty and lady killers are both. If you look at their, if you look at their 18 films, they direct together like four and five worldwide gross is intolerable cruelty and lady killers. Yeah. Um, and I personally late intolerable cruelty is one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies. So that's like one of my weird I love that movie deeply. Um so anyway, but yeah, that's yeah, it's it's a really interesting uh period for them for sure, because it is intolerable cruelty, also a film that I I as well like deeply love, but it is a film that came out was not received very well. And I think now has a little bit of like a culturally appraisal over the last few years, like if not like a huge move in the needle of the consensus, there's at least people like us who have like an appreciation for it now. And it is like a little bit like the, the Coen's like underrated movie, which something like the lady killers has not at all gotten that kind of reappraisal. But yeah, it is. It's a really interesting period for them because they're doing these more like mainstream comedies, these like Sturgis inspired kind of comedy riffs. And they do two in a row back to back years, like you said, they don't work like they aren't culturally um, like commercially or critically well received. And then it's like a three year break, like you said, a three year break before No Country comes, which is them doing going back to kind of Fargo, even more sort of like Blood Simple, like Miller's Crossing kind of like um more straightforward crime movie with a little bit of the Coen's bent on it, but it is like they, and, and adapting Cormac McCarthy, which they're not used to adapting mm. things. Um, too and, really, and I don't know if you guys, have, I don't know if you guys have read the, that book. I have, yeah, yeah. but, but yeah. really like that's it's very straight. close to the yeah, book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it is, so, it's so there good. are many lines that are dark There's, McCarthy's lines. Yeah. 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 yeah, so it's it's a really weird period for the Coens here where it feels like they kind of reset after this. And for Hanks, even maybe even more so, it's like a really interesting period because we we talked about Castaway and Castaway kind of felt like him using that cachet from that he was building on the 90s to make sure. his, his own passion project because that was his. And that's my favorite Hanks. Right. Yeah, I saw Cast, I was looking at we doing. When we were doing yeah. Castaway, I was looking through like the letterbox reviews of my friends, yeah. and I did see that your letterbox review, pretty it's short, basically just says it's your like favorite hand. Oh, yeah, it's my favorite. Like, period. Uh, second, I guess, behind Back to the Future, second favorite Zemeckis. I like think that movie is just like a miracle, like of just filmmaking and performance. And like, so I mean, I think when you're looking at like inflection points in a career, even as one is accomplished as Hanks, I think like. To your point, totally. Yes, he used every 
Right. I mean, that's he's making Band of Brothers. It's like, yeah, right. Yeah. Same, I mean, look, Save Brian Ryan comes out and it's just like money in the bank. People are just like, oh, greatest American filmmaker, <laughs> greatest American actor making a movie about the greatest American war. Like, you know, you know, you know, trademark, right? You know, just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, who would hate this movie? No, and, you know, no one did. I mean, a one Oscar, you know, no one did. You know, that was yeah. a shocking Shakespeare in Love Wind and all that. And, um, so two years after that, Castle, it's like, yeah, do whatever you want. Like, yeah, you're on an island, whatever. Yeah, yeah. you know, like, you know, so it's funny. You're right. Yeah, yeah. This, I is, love that movie. this is, yeah, I love the movie. It, this is the, yeah, this is the, um, the chaser, right? Shot, cha- this is the shot chaser. Yeah. Here we are, Lady Killer. Because it's yeah. like after Castaway, he really, if it at least feels from the outside, like he's pivoting to then being like, okay, now I want to be like an, a more of like an actory actor and do different things and kind of, te- I guess, test myself, stretch myself yeah. a little bit. He does Road to Perdition, which we talked about yeah, on the villain. last episode with Connor, right. where he's going darker with it. It's and then like, no, Catch Me If You Can, he's playing like the that. antagonist in Catch Me If You Can. Which yeah, is same here. Well, and then an antagonist, but not really like a. Bad I mean, he's guy. He, not a bad, not a like a he's bad. Like, dark he's like he's the guy that's got to chase him. You know, yeah, he's exactly. The, but I mean, but, supporting role, but he is, but he is, a, he is a jerk. Like you know, not right. like you like him, but like he, nobody likes him in the movie, right? Like yeah. he, right, he's the guy like, who's he trying makes to ruin all the fun. Jokes. Yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah, he's the guy that's just like, hey, we want to see. He's the the catch and catch me if you can. One of right, his yeah. favorite moments, I mean, one of my favorite in that movie. Of, I guess I don't know. Uh, uh, and I'm, I'm I'm sorry if I'm retreading here, but when he the first time they talk about Chris, when he's like, "You got no one else, you got nobody to call," and he like gets yeah. so happy, mm-hmm. he starts like laughing. Uh, yeah. So mean, such a good so moment. funny. <laughs> so indicative of that whole movie. Oh, it's, so the, it's the one moment where he like or at least one of the very few moments where he can feel like he has the upper hand because so sure. much of that movie is him just being humiliated by decap by frank abagnale and yeah. so like he has that one moment where he can at least feel a little bit superior and he like revels in it immediately the second that he notices it and can yeah. just like puff his chest out a little bit and laugh at this guy not abagnale not abagnale right. <laughs> also that movie is such a handoff mm. of the torch to, right yeah, yeah 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 because dicaprio yes he had titanic but he but he had yet to work believe at the time with scorsese yet and then it's like the same right, year it was, works, the, right. the same, it was yeah, like the same year right yeah like and so he's month, working with he's working with the two heavyweights of the industry at that at that point he's yeah. working with tom hanks and one he's working with daniel day lewis and the other mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. leo's we got to do leo at a certain point when i mean sure, it's sure fascinating, we but the fact that like th- that's you know you know Hanks wants to play the 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 second he is the second in that film hands right. down and then yeah Road to Perdition which is the film we talked about which is his you know probably like my new favorite performance from him like <laughs> so goddamn good and it's so different and so dark to then kind of the next year or whatever you know take a year off or whatnot come back and start shooting this movie it's so fucking weird. Like it, it is like, what if I, but on paper too, it's kind of like, you know, that story that Bill Murray talked about where he like got, you know, kind of confused about the Coen brothers and kind of you the know, Garfield in, thing. Yeah. The ran into the Garfield situation sure. of it all. Right. That's what it kind of feels like a little bit here too. It's like, I have the Coen brothers remaking a classic film. They are two of, even though intolerable cruelty came out, it, you know, 
they're still highly regarded in this industry as directors that people love to work with actors, actors for sure. And he comes and does this. And it, it, it just is so interesting that you got to think that when you're reading this script, it's going to translate exactly the way it is on the page and what we see in this final product. <laughs> Cause I don't know if there was massive changes or the studio interfered with it or not, but it just feels very much like everyone's kind of, and then we're going to talk about it, but they feel like they're in, like the wheels are in motion. They're not really, they're not, it's like they're sort of play by playing it. It doesn't feel like it's actually like passion behind it because when I was watching the film and my wife next to me, I was like, who do you think did this film? She goes, I don't know. I don't know. Like in the first 10 minutes, and you can tell certain things about a Coen Brothers movie, the way that they do sets and costumes, certain things, uh, the, the quips of their characters. And she's like, I don't know. I can't get this. I can't get this. And she's seen many Coen Brothers films. And I think that that speaks to a little bit of this one. It's like, it feels so generic. But then they take some time off, which everybody should do. And then they come back. And now this run that they've had is arguably even better than their first run. You know, because right. they have they win three Oscars. They have two more films nominated for Best Picture in a Serious Man and True Grit. That Burn After Reading, which is one of the most hysterical, com- uh, you know, political comedies of, in recent memory. Mm-hmm. You have Inside Lewin Davis, which is arguably one of their best, if not their best film. You have Hail Caesar, which I really like. And then their last film that they do together, which is the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which feels almost like a greatest hits uh, film for them. And then of course now tragedy of Macbeth, which I agree with you, Dan, like that movie was in my top 20 last year. And it, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's such an interesting like middle period within them, within Hanks. It's almost like a transition for both of them. And yet you would think, okay, with this transition, you might be able to, you know, elevate each other. And in a sense, they don't. And it's kind of, hilarious what you see here and then there's a lot of other people in this film too that we can talk about when where their careers are at and where they're going and where they actually end up so yeah well yeah one of the things that i found interesting and kind of doing the research on the film that i didn't know about before is that originally they weren't supposed to direct it that it was originally supposed to set up for sonnenfeld to direct yeah that makes sense at this point was a director who had done cinematography for them in their earlier films and then him falling out from being able to direct it led to them directing it. They were originally just supposed to do the script. And I think that it does, that makes sense because it feels, I feel like in more in like recent years, in the last decade or so, we've seen some other films that are like Cohen scripts that they don't end up directing a movie like the, the Gambit remake or um, Suburbicons. Yeah, well, we're just, we're just is kind of the outlier because Suburbicon is also the other one with like Clooney directing it and yeah. Suburbicon and Gambit I think both very much feel like somebody else trying to do a Coen Brothers like thing and it like not working and it feeling like you could feel almost like they they wrote this script and they knew that they didn't care enough about it or like it wasn't strong enough to do like a movie but they just had this script and then whoever ended up directing them just like try to you see a cohen's name on a script and you're like let's go for it yeah gambit definitely feels like that because michael hoffman who is a good director is trying something and i think that movie ended up kind of just getting i don't want to say taken away but really got 
cut to death. And if I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, but it literally it's a, like it's a mess of a movie. It doesn't feel like a full movie. And yeah. it's you know re- that, that movie itself is a remake of of another British film. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. Michael Caine and Sean McClain. It's you know yeah. it's, I wouldn't say it's it's uh, the Lady Killers, but it's like a fun you know heist con movie mm-hmm. and yeah it just gets made into this like cameron diaz star that's just kind of not just doesn't really work um but then the suburban gun thing's even weirder because it was basically they had the matt damon portion of the movie was the coen brothers script yeah and hesloff and clooney wanted to make this movie about redlining in long island my god and it's, so they like took it, their scripts idiots. about redlining Mm-mm. right about you know, and it's not even that's even it's about a it's about when a black family moved into a white neighborhood in yes. Long Island. My God. And it kind of led to further red line is I guess what I mean. It's like yeah, the the community's racist response to a black family moving yeah. in results. It's an in, interest it is an interesting concept to put in that movie, but they have literally it feels like two separate films. Yeah, it's just literally a movie with each other yeah. where that's happening. Meanwhile, meanwhile, right, the, the, and it's yeah. like, <laughs> why are we doing? Why are we doing two things? Yeah, and it feels yeah, like a total not, divide. Not a strong, yeah, yeah. not a strong. Oh picture. no! And they didn't, they didn't sell it to like the the stuff with the black family. It's like not in the marketing at all, from what I remember. Like, no, no it's anything. more about. So I, like, it's all about I the Damon the stuff. Movie, yeah. yeah, I went to the movie expecting it to be this Damon thing. Like I saw that in theaters and was totally caught off guard by that being even an element of the movie which was completely confusing i just yeah came out like what even movie was i watching there like what was that supposed to be at all and then and then the other two were talking during that period bridge of spies and unbroken are oh right yeah i forgot they worked on unbroken are are similar you know they're similar uh you know i think one one ends up working uh, better than the other unbroken is shockingly like stark i mean that is like you know angelina jolie i think is a talented filmmaker in her own right but that movie i mean you think of comedy when you think of the coens even in their dramas even in no country even in like yeah you know true grit or what have you like there's plenty of humor right like (laughs) you know and that movie i mean that movie not only is there not jokes it's those characters you were never heard of jokes (laughs) They've never even heard of what comedy I mean, is. Like, no, granted, movie, these are POWs. I get yeah. it. It's a very, but I mean, it is, that movie is, and that was a huge, huge hit. That movie, huge. It, I remember I saw, watching I saw it twice remember, in theaters. You saw it twice? Wanted, both my parents wanted to see it. I, you know, they the, wanted the burden, the burden they, of divorced parents. Yeah, they so. wanted to see how someone could be unbroken. They wanted to, yeah, they, they felt, Swear they felt God. broken and they wanted to go become unbroken. And, and you know what? <laughs> who could blame them? Who could blame them? I saw, I, look, I saw that movie in theaters and I remember twice, right? Myself. Twice. No, you have once. to see it twice. And we all no. saw it twice. It was, it, it, yeah, we all, no, we, we all wish we would have saw it. We were all times. there. Um, but I, I just remember being, this is the bleakest goddamn bleak. thing. Yeah. And it's all, and I remember everyone was like, oh, this could be like Jolie's big break into the Oscar season I mean, and da, 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 da. Yeah. And, um, and then I just it watched the like movie. It, yeah. I watched that movie and I was just like, my God, I need like a shower. I need like to hug a dog or something like it's so bleak. And then you see the title card and it's them. And you're like, the fuck it is like, yeah, it, like, it no way, weird. Yeah, no it way weird. it is. Like yeah, no yeah. way, but yeah, and I feel I feel like that might be a Jolie thing though, but she might have. 
take yeah i mean bridge of spies has has some like him losing his coat and being sick the whole time that's that's the whole kafka even like like, even like some of ryland stuff too the way that they bring back the um would it help line like each time it's kind of like yeah it's it's more there's a lot of dry humor in bridge of spies that i really like yeah, and i movie. feel like you can credit i really with... need to rewatch that movie i don't i don't know I you should be watching yeah. what if there was a bridge and then on that bridge there were spies <laughs> god damn it all great right, movie uh, all right another, Dan, another movie it. bridge of spies i saw twice in theaters really i, I, I remember I, I, I remember watching that movie one time in theaters and, and my theater experience was just like you got to be fucking kidding me some guy brought in a subway sandwich out of his backpack and well, started eating it halfway through. Not, I, I can like, I tell you? I, and I, I was recently, like, my God. I recently. Uh, Don't you know what this movie is? I recently saw Top Gun Maverick as a recording. And I had a fine theater experience, though. Jimmy Jones? There was, there was, <laughs> there was an older gentleman with presumably his his wife, his, his uh, partner. His and wife. he was a vet. He was wearing the hat, you know, that, you know, designates. I, I wasn't close enough, but it's. Designate some sort of service, you know, and we thank him for that. But he was every time there was anything that was like a thing, he was like, Oh, I was stationed there. He was like shouting it, or like, Oh, I remember, <laughs> like, oh, it's an F 18. That's an F 18. And then, and then this is the best part. So, whatever you're trying to be, it's one of those weird things. He's older, you're like, You want it, you don't want to be me. He yells that at the end. That's Lady Gaga. I met her. Hang on. So this, red is, <laughs> so this isn't. I don't think this is a big Maverick spoiler. At a certain point in the movie, Jennifer Connelly, um, is with Tom Cruise, and she goes into her house and she leaves the door open. Right. That's that's whatever. My guy behind me goes. There's the invitation. <laughs> oh, God bless that man. Bless bless that man. Uh, and hey, he was right. That wasn't imitation. He was, yeah. I mean, he was right about that. Maybe, maybe yeah. some people didn't get it. You know, sometimes you need to know. Sometimes, sometimes you uh, little, need a I'm little. Sure, I'm sure that's exactly what you know Tom was hoping for when he's telling everybody to make sure you see it in theaters. Oh he's, he's looking out for that guy. Oh, my I mean, God. that's great. Tom would have thanked him for his service. Guy. I mean, it was so funny. I mean, it was just a funny. I was like, yeah, right. That's right. Pack movies. You get a, you get. And Dan turned behind, high five the guy, and kept watching the movie. <laughs> yeah, I was like. Bless you, sir. Thank you for um, your service in this movie anyway, theater. You yeah, know? thank you for this service that you're providing right now. I'll yeah. quit uh, piggybacking off that. I, I quickly do want to mention. Mm. I I've had a lot of weird experiences in theaters, and I so I used to live about like 30 minutes away from Rehoboth Beach in Delaware, which is you know a town where a lot of old people live retired to wherever there's, there's a lot of old people going going yep. to the movie theaters down there so when my mom and i went to go see do you guys remember the uh the film mr holmes the is that the old, uh, old sherlock holmes ian mckellen old, yeah. as old sherlock holmes so it's i mean it's definitely it's a movie that you would uh it's the movie you would expect ian mckellen as old sherlock holmes to be a, a lot of bees in that movie there's a lot of uh going on with bees there but so i my mom and I went to see it in Rehoboth and like an absolutely packed theater mm-hmm. packed to the gills with just old folks really ready to figure out what Mr. Holmes was getting up to. And I'm sitting there with my mom and two, two seats away from me, this woman comes in by herself and about 50 minutes into the movie, she pulls out from her bag, she pulls out a cup just like a plastic sure. cup and she pulls out a big bottle of wine 
Hell and yeah. Hell for yeah. the entirety of Mr. Holmes, she's just pouring herself. Yes. <laughs> what an invitation. Of yeah. wine. Yeah. There's the invitation. It just was fascinating. To did me. she get like turned? Up, did you? Was she noticeably <laughs> turned up by the end, or did you notice that? I I think did I she stumble out of them. She was yeah. like, I know the end. She was she was a little rocky. She was a little rocky assume, getting up to, to yeah. go yeah. out. And only yeah, on one bottle. That sounds like get, a. It sounds like rookie numbers. <laughs> she didn't get super hyped by the movie. I don't know if she was hoping for like a little bit more sleuthing, sure, a little bit more right, or or mm. what. It's, it's a pretty. You know, stale kind of drama that one. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty, sleepy. It's a sleepy it's a mystery. Reserved. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's not. It's not bad though. As it's reserved as the wine that she's been, you know, pouring. Yeah, in cup. but it was just an interesting, interesting. Little she, yeah, she had barefoot and a barefoot Zinfandel to keep her company or whatever it was. <laughs> she honestly, it, it might have been. I mean, that's that's all out there in Rehoboth. So it was barefoot. white. It wasn't red. I can't remember. Oh, I would think you would have to have a white just to keep you. Up. I would um, hope so. I feel like it was Mr. Like, Holmes is a white wine kind of. Yeah, thing. It feels sure, white. It's like a summery sure movie. Like, That's like a garden yeah, movie. Yeah, Unbroken's more like a, a cabaret. Oh my god, Unbroken is like a Bordeaux. It's like <laughs> yeah. a deep red. Yeah, that's. It's, you I mean, know, cry. Little by... hints of desperation. You know. That yeah. That's... I just remember. All I remember from Unbroken is they just were lost in this that ocean for the whole yeah movie. man that's that like all i remember part, that was a big part of the like, movie it was shortly after life of pi i was like okay i'm never going on a plane right. again or on a boat. yeah very much just i'm staying home in that ocean for a long time i, I recall deacons deacons shot it pretty good cinematography is that donald gleason with him donald, donald gleason's in the jack o'connell jack o'connell's the lead what happened to jack o'connell he got eaten by the money monster. That's true. That's all. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Money, money monster. I have. I saw three times in theater. <laughs> you saw money Mitchell. monster three fucking How? times in theaters. Are you fucking talked, kidding me? We talked. Wait, Jody Dan, Foster Dan. is so happy. So grateful for the. Okay. Wow. The first, we'll get. We'll get back on track with the lady. I honestly don't but... mind. I don't mind money monster. It's not a very. You were like movie. half the box office for <laughs> fucking yeah. money monster. The first time when I. <laughs> Letterboxd. Um, Sony's going to send you a gift basket. They should. Letterboxd. Uh, yeah, team Letterboxd guested on Cinephile Game Night for the film stage, which which you guys run over there. Um, right, 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 right. And when I was on, so I was on Team Letterboxd and we were doing, it started off with us doing a round of filmography for Julia Roberts. Sure. And S1 it does. ended up with me and Connor as like the last two standing. Course, and actually. neither of us could come up with another film and after so it just ended it with like a draw and uh-huh. i i think like Corey or you were kind of reading the other films that we didn't get and one of them was money monster and oh. i was furious that i didn't get money monster considering the fact that the i saw it three times in theaters yeah. and i i announced that i saw that movie three times in theaters and everybody in that zoom was aghast that Naturally, how I did that. Which I mean, again, divorced parents. I saw it opening night by myself. Yeah, I told my mom I was like, I think you'll like this. So we watched it together, and then my dad wanted to see it. And honestly, it's a pretty good movie. No, I think so too. I, I, I'll joke aside. That movie gets, I think, a natural amount of ridicule, probably because of its title, and it feels like a relic. Like it came yeah. out in 2016. Yeah, that's a movie that gets made in like 1975. Of course, and even the movie, which is why even the movie stars like. You would think more like, 
03 as opposed, you know, like, yeah, like yeah. the same year as Intolerable Cruelty, this Money Monster yeah. would have come out. So what is George Clooney coming out next uh, after Intolerable Cruelty? Oh, Money Monster? Money Holy Monster. Right, 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 yeah. With Julia um, Roberts? Holy and shit. And funny enough, Clooney, Clooney and Roberts, their next movie is a rom-com together, which I right. think is, we're all excited for. But My I mean, God, to get Clooney back, like just yeah. in anything that's not him directing. Fuck yes. Like, oh, yeah, take you. a break, George. Yeah, just start a movie. <laughs> Leave the fucking yeah, once, tequila once you, alone once and make some the, movies. Once you do the it. tender bar, you you should really just call it quits because you can't get better than that. Bartender. Right. Once you've once you've been tender at a bar. One of the saddest things. One of the saddest things ever is Corey Everett. We have like a message between all the cinephile guys, and Corey Everett goes, You know, this is the first time I realized that that's that's just bartender. It means, and I, and, and I literally went like, I went like, you know, I've actually never thought of that either. And Connor, <laughs> Connor, Connor jumps in. He's like, are you guys making a joke or are you the stupidest people I've ever met? And it's just one of those things like, no, I mean, I guess I just, in my head, of course I knew it, but I never like. You just really, thought it was a like, tender bar. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't put it together bar. until about a month ago. Like we're yeah. we're recording this. I think this is. Like, I think this is like bar two episodes tender. in a row now, or three episodes in a row that we have brought up the Tinder bar. And I. Oh yeah, because we talked about it with Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, Look, I genuinely didn't put that together until once like, when iconic cinema drops, it must <laughs> be discussed. And the only good, the only good thing about the Tinder bar, bar, the only good thing about the Tinder bar was I saw it as screening uh, in Austin. And Jeff Nichols moderated the Q and A with Ty sure. Sheridan, and it was a mud reunion. And I got to meet both of them. That was oh, the only—that's the only good fucking thing that came out of that movie. And I was like, okay, yeah. this was ben worth Affleck, it. Affleck, I think Ben's Ben's nice, and I like Ben. Yeah, Ben's good. Like, I like Ben Affleck, good at his job. That's very good. Very he makes good. he makes good performances. But back to you know the the point of this podcast is ja- Jack O'Connell, Unbroker. who um, I think is <laughs> a, a really underrated actor. It's a O'Connell. shame that I loved him in Startup. Startup, he, he's, a, he's amazing in Startup. Start him and Mendelssohn, my he's doing God. Good TV now, Godless, the Scott Frank Netflix series Godless from is 2017 is really good. The North Godless Water. Was it Dan? One, have you seen the North Water? I've Colin seen the Farrell? first episode. I, yeah, I've seen the is first episode. Is that the one episode. with Colin Farrell? Colin, the one with Colin Farrell. Who Andrew wrote that? High. Andrew, Andrew High. Wrote oh, and directed yeah. Weekend and, it and is, 45 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah, it's a phenomenal yeah. series. I know. I got to finish it. I, which I, people should check out. I need to rent it because I think I got the free one episode because I don't have whatever. Is it Paramount? It's on, it's on AMC+. AMC I'll still, I'll still even, never forgive. Andrew High. Even for, less people have AMC Plus than Paramount. I can't, what did I can't, Andrew High do, Ryan? I can't, I can't forgive him for leaning on Pete. That fucking asshole. God damn it. That's, Why? Was it because of the horse violence? Or? Yeah, that was bullshit. You know, yeah. like I watched that movie and I watched, well, it's, it's pretty good movie, it's, but yeah, it's, hard it's, to watch. It's, it's fine. Um, I watched The Writer beforehand and mm. somebody was like, oh, if you love The Writer, you should watch Lean on Pete. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And I watched and I went, that movie didn't have that. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, like, I do struggle. I'll say I do struggle with animal violence. I have a. Uh, I was. I was I, never. I came I, out I of nowhere. Pet, yeah, I was never a pet owner my whole life, and then um, I, I've had a cat with my wife for you know now six years, and it is like, not not that I was like not that abusing one. animals before I had a pet, but but you don't once you Breaking once news. you. Once, yeah. <laughs> Once you make Mecca, that connection, yeah. animals once you once you get that once you get that cat, once you're like, God damn, I shouldn't have. Yeah, to be I love cats. that cat more than 
I should not have picked those cats. All those. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but it, I, the thing about it was, is, and, I'm, and to me, like, I don't care. I mean, we've seen, we've all, all three of us have seen movies where there's sure. tons of people dying and there's animals or whatever, and we know it's all fake and everything. It's just the way that that scene happens. It feels like it's so a, out of, scene. it's out of nowhere almost. It feels like, it feels also just like, it almost feels too real and you're just like because of who he is as a director and you're just like fucking hell like my yeah. god the sound work too there it's so visceral i watched it, that on a plane oh my god i know what is wrong with you yeah like, i watched that on a plane and it was just um i've watched two i have i have watched two sad animal scenarios okay. play out on a plane so there's a movie <laughs> called there's a movie called hachi Directed oh, by I, La- Lassa Richard Harl- Gear. Yeah, yeah Lassa Hallstrom. Yeah. It's a good movie. It's a nice little movie. It's, it's a sweet little film. It's yeah. Gear, uh, Lassa Hallstrom. It's like they also made The Hoax together around that yeah, same yeah, yeah. time. I love The Hoax. The Hoax is good. You know, Lassa yeah. Hallstrom is a good filmmaker. Like, obviously, yeah. Gear is always good. You know, and so I, w- I miss Gear. I miss Gear so much. Yeah, Gear. Yeah. I, w- I would love another like Gear Awards run. From well, like, I was, I found out, like, I was reading something. I don't know if it's true or not. But that like gear basically can't do a lot of the big Hollywood things because of everything that's going on with like his support of Tibet. And then like, you know, obviously like, you know, studios in China. And I was like, well, I mean, oh, you mean with China, the, like, like they can't open it. Yeah. Like he, can, he, like he can't like if he wanted to do a Marvel movie and he was like, let's say he, he played he like, yeah. like, yeah, he couldn't do that. Like, let's say They'd if he to wanted to play out. like Bob yeah. Redford's character in Winter Soldier. They and have he's to cut on him the, out of it. Yeah, they so had no. to cut him out, or they couldn't put him in there. Oh, you know what's? I never. You know what's? I mean, look, he he literally got Hollywood to make a full movie about <laughs> his distrust and dissatisfaction with Chinese politics, and yeah. that movie Red Corner is literally. I mean, it's insane. That movie. I don't know if you've seen that. That movie Red Corner is a two-hour. Yes. It's just like, a two-hour like. Hey, John deep. Avnet, producer, director, like, just make this for me. <laughs> that the fact that what movie a time got made, to be alive that, yeah. the fact that movie got made is, is one of the craziest things like i just miss that, him i just miss him in yeah, general i think he's he's gonna be in like some rom-com with diane lane coming hey. soon so yeah little knights of yeah exactly um Unfaithful. but so what i was saying was oh the end of hachi i don't want to spoil it but <laughs> the, it's about a dog yeah okay and it's a dog's you, it's a dog's tail, you might you say. Could, you can understand God, get, what get you out. can understand. That's it. That is the title of the movie. Get out. It's the title of the movie. A dog's tail. It is called a dog's tail. Um obviously something sad happens at the end of the movie. And me and my wife were watching this, <laughs> and it must have seemed like the weirdest thing on this planet. But also, I guess not that weird because you're on a plane. I don't know. We are like <laughs> weeping. Like me and my wife are not not crying, like not just like. <laughs> Like not hyperventilating, like, oh, like, like, <laughs> like really trying not to do that, like really yeah. trying hard not to make it become an issue, yeah. but like truly very deeply sad at the end of this film. <laughs> and I just was like, I'm sorry for everybody else near us. Like they, people must have just been like, did what happened here? Like what? But Hachi, man, Hachi and like Pete on a plane. The the airlines playing Hachi on a plane probably got used to that. Like every like every flight, oh they could spot Look who was hell. watching Hachi that on that movie. Flight based that on freaking movie. That ending going through it. God, it's, so, it's good. Yeah, I remember Hachi coming out, and then like right around that was Marley and Me, and those around like, the same. Yeah, time. yeah. Can, we, yeah, can yeah. we not anymore? 
fucking Hollywood. Well, Marley and me is like that is that is just they literally show the dog getting put down. Cruel and unusual. That is a truly. I literally just got a dog. I literally had just got a dog, a gold, a a golden retriever. Literally, you're you're doing it to yourself at that point. And then no, and then I watched the film. I had no idea. I did. Can I tell you? I did appreciate that. I have not seen it yet, but the Channing Tatum picture dog. Oh, in the the trailers, it said the dog doesn't die. Yeah, Dan, which I thought was I thought was smart. I have a question, Uh, Dan, and then we'll talk about the lady killers. Yeah. We've gone on tangents. Maybe yeah. I don't know. We'll just figure it out. Uh, Lady Killers. I got. I got a lot more Jack O'Connell thoughts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, is like so. We had pig, and we've had cow, and we've yes. had dog. What's the next animal that gets? Oh God, project. pig, dog. Yeah, dog, pig. and we had lamb, and we had cats, lamb, and we had cats, and we had lambs. What would I? I mean, I'd like. You know what I'd like to see? Um. And this is an animal that's been done, but I'd like to see like a lean on Pete esque version of of this. So let, let me pitch it. Okay. I would like shark. Shark. Oh, okay. But it's not sure. and not Deep Blue Sea. It's not Jaws. It's not Jaws two. It's not Jaws three. <laughs> B. It's not Jaws the Revenge. It's <laughs> it's literally like about uh, a free willy like. Oh, okay. Shark. Shark, it's a shark. Called, just yeah. called shark. I would like to see that. Do you have like an actor that would you know try to help the shark or whatever? Like because like that just because like dog right. it was like Channing Tatum and like pig was Nick. I got Stone. one. I got a very me pick. Okay, Eddie Burns. Yeah, <laughs> let's get Eddie Burns. Obviously, the budget's gonna have to be low because you know <laughs> he can't. He's not opening huge movies. We love Ed Burns, but you know, what's the last thing Ed Burns was God in that was him. big? Well, yeah, I mean, he, Dan. He, he well, he he has he been on his agent, you TV know. shows. What um, was the Fitzgerald Family Christmas? Was that him? He directed that. He's in that. that Connie Britton. The fuck is even that? Like, kind of a nice <laughs> movie. Kind of a Christmas family movie. Um, but like in terms of not stuff he didn't direct that's bigger. He was in like he was in that show Mob City. I remember. Where he played oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. He was in. Um, Public morals. He played a cop. He directed all those episodes. So like, he's yeah, doing that stuff. you know what? I kind of I'm vibing with this now, Dan, because he like needs a new break and yeah, he's got out. that beautiful Queen's accent. Um, yeah, and I was like, I could save on, a shock. Come I could save shock. a shock. Yeah, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, Wait, is that two, two Ed, Ed Burns? Ed, Ed and Ned, his brother Ned <laughs> and Ed are both here. But um, <laughs> they actually, ride the shark at the end. This is That'd a totally great. honest plug. He Ed Burns wrote a book. I I do love Ed Burns. He wrote a book called I swear to God called Independent Ed. Okay, it's about his like of course career. It's about his career, and I'll tell you what, it's a good book. If you <laughs> if you like filmmaking books. Making movies by Sydney. Dan That's has great. like three boxes of the books in his cellar, and he's just trying Ma- to get making. Them. Yeah, he's trying to move. Trying to move my <laughs> just trying to move three, paper. Three, all right, the three big ones everybody knows: making movies, on directing by Mamet, and Independent Ed by by Ed Burns. Those are the three. Those are Those my are the three. three. Um, <laughs> we all read them in film school. We've all read them, yeah. But um, but yes, I do miss Jack O'Connell, and uh, <laughs> you know answer. what? Jack O'Connell, Shark. Okay. Yeah, him yeah, and Ed Burns yeah, partners. Exactly. I would. Why not? Here, how about this? Let's pivot now. Let's pivot now, not to the Lady Killers, but let's talk about Jack Reiner for a few minutes. Let's talk about Jack Reiner. 
Let's, what, 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 did, what, what did what Richard Jack, do? What did Richard do? What Richard did. Also, which which transform? He's in one of the Transformers, isn't he? Four. He's in, Four. Yeah, the age, worst age one. Of I think the, or second he's, worst. Second he's worst. He's in. No, that's the worst. No, it, the second one's the worst one. Oh, the second, no. the second one's the worst one. Or but, well, they're both the they're both abominations. Let's just they're both clear. very we're, bad. Age of we're, Extinction. We're Jack, Jack Rayner has the. I mean, the iconic. He. I was going to say having the, the romance. And Juliet. Yeah, yeah, he has the one literally of the, one of the, the cards in both seen. hands. Zooming in on it to say I can basically have sex with your daughter, Mark. One Walker. of the most frightening things I've, I've done. Ever seen. I've done the research. <laughs> <laughs> I made so sure I, this was cool. I talked with Fauci, and I can't confirm. You know, yeah. Here's the card. He mailed it's it. Trouble. Um, good actor though, Jack Rayner. Jack what was Rainer the last thing he did? Good. Sting Street, Midsommar. I mean, was only a couple years ago. Oh, that's he, right. I forgot. Oh, he was. Oh, in, right, I mean, he was in Cherry. He was the drug dealer and Cherry, Fuck, right? That's right. He was. I just try not that's to re- right. remember Cherry. Cherry. We all remember the big Oscar hit. Cherry. You know where they stuck a camera. Up I've seen it. I've seen Cherry. Asshole. I have yeah. also seen Cherry. We've all seen Cherry. We've all seen Cherry. Regrettably. And and Mitchell's seen it three times. It's a weird <laughs> sentence. I saw, I saw Cherry three times in theaters. It's a weird sentence to say. I've seen Cherry. Like, <laughs> I don't even know. Like, parents wanted to see I like barely recall it, but yes, I've seen it. Um, the uh, directors of The Gray Man, the upcoming Gray Man. Oh, what, yeah. the, the things that they are known for. You mean Dupree. Exactly. I do love all, you. All their big I, I do. Kidding. That's their best kind, kind of a good movie. That's their I best love movie. I, I saw it in theaters. <laughs> I think it's a, f- a funny fucking movie. I think it's so funny. It's a, it is Matt astonishing. Dillon, that, Owen Wilson. It is Dan astonishing Hansen. that those men. Seth directed that, that and then have now directed three of the most popular films of the world. Movies ever made, yeah. yeah. And Cher- I think Cherry. it was commu- I think it was com- community was what it was, right? I think was kind of what got them the job, yeah, right? Because I think it was community. Was their community thing. episodes were so. Well, they, they did well, the they, paintball ones, right? The, they, yeah, 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 yeah. They saw those uh, community episodes and was like, "Wow, visionaries!" Well, and also, <laughs> and welcome to Collinwood. But <laughs> yeah. speaking of Clooney, which also is actually a pretty good movie. Um, good movie. So let me just say, so this the Lady Killers. Yes, let's get into let's get into the Lady Killers. Honestly, honestly, don't even want to fucking talk about. Great cast. <laughs> it's a great cast. Great cast. Now, let me say this. Let me say this. I it's I cast already. I like this movie fine. I do. I'm rewatching it today. Great. I was like, okay, this is there's a lot going on. We can talk about all the different elements. I did laugh at parts. I think. It's a good example of like the bar so hard, high with the Coens. It's certainly their worst movie. Yes. But I think it could be a lot of people's best movie. I'm not saying it's great. I'm just saying it's so I I do find it to be watchable, right? I think the premise, not unlike the original, obviously, is basically a bunch of near-to-well criminals, you know, mostly amateur, have to um find a reason to stay inside this old religious woman's house in order to dig a tunnel um from her house into a casino specifically the part of the casino in which they keep the money so that they can steal it um and the ringleader is um tom hanks who's playing kind of this kentucky fried colonel sanders <laughs> <laughs> Tennessee Williams guy 
dress that you know dressing the seersucker with the with the facial hair um to to boot and the accent obviously like we talked about and his ragtag group of misfits are like marlon waynes is their inside man um i think it's tama is there um or tama i believe is their explosives guy or no tama is like they're like I don't even know. He's the general. I don't it's, even know what he's specific. It's confusing because it feels J. like J. K. Simmons, and J.K. Simmons have like the same, the same role. role. Yeah, like yeah. J.K. Simmons is the explosives guy. Taima's like the mystery man. It almost yeah. Like, he's like the brains guy. behind the operation, he's maybe or the something. Wild card. Yeah, yeah the, the wild, wild card. card. That's good. Yeah. Which actually kind of in the original movie there is a character who's like a psychopath. So yeah. so maybe that's what they're doing there. And then Mar- I said Marlon Wayans already. And then um, Ryan Hurst is like the idiot, literally. <laughs> He's literally. just like the muscle, basically. Yeah. Um, and then am I and forgetting someone? J.K. No, Simmons. It. And when Jake Simmons is, is there, he's the explosive. Simmons, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Simmons, the Simmons with the name. First of all, Dan, thank you very much for setting up the podcast, which is well, really just, just, <laughs> just give him royalties a, for a, the a next couple episodes. But... Yeah, Simmons having, I mean, I the name Garth Pancake is I, I think do like that's I do like. that's a phenomenal name for a character. Like. Ryan Hurst names Lump Hudson, which is also a great, wonderful name. There's there's funny bits in this movie. I'm so I'm I know Ryan hates this movie, and right. we can I don't get hate that. movies. I'm, don't okay. <laughs> put that out there. I don't I don't hate movies because I think that you can't hate some you can't hate movies like this idea that you that i think that that is a always a i've I, I i love that you said that because i have grown to this opinion yes is that there I are actually, so many people involved yes, in making a movie that means that you then are saying you hate these this. people i love the coen brothers their worst film it's just a movie that i don't like so sure, sure and i'm sure. not getting on you mitchell i'm just i'm just Stating no, that assault that. me the way that you are doing, <laughs> Mitchell Lee. <laughs> Dan, no, Dan's I, already set up this show. We're no longer needed here. Clearly, I clearly I've been. <laughs> yeah, we're just, we're, oh wait, but we have to actually. We should say okay. the co-lead, Irma Irma P. Hall. Irma P. Hall is Irma the P. best Hall. thing about this movie, and is very, I think, very fun in this movie. I do. She's she's the best in Irma. So I, one of yeah. the. Fascinating. Great and collateral. I always forget she's the mom in great, collateral. Great oh, and collateral. I was calling and calling. Yeah. She's so good in that movie. Oh, it I is. It. You brought those for me? Yeah. With oh, they're love. They're beautiful. <laughs> with everything surrounding oh. the reputation that this movie now has, it is fascinating to me that this movie came out in theaters in the U.S. in March 2004. It played in competition at Cannes two months later. And Irma what? P. Hall won a special won award. prize won for her award. performance yeah. in it, which I uh, think is deserved. It's a favorite. And I will, the hell and I, was and on I, that jury? And I will also say, I will also say, it does bum me out. And this is not, I'm not, I'm not making any, um, Uh-oh. I'm not trying to make any associations here. here but go. it does always bum me out that the two movies with black characters that the Coen brothers made are their, their two worst reviewed movies. Right, because Cedric the Entertainer is a prominent role in *Intolerable Cruelty*, and actually, I think he's very good. Fantastic in it, giving it his all. He busted there. I think he's yeah. I actually think he's very funny in that movie, and and the majority of the cast in this movie. So it always bums me out that like these movies, 
they are kind of getting out of their literally well, getting out of their comfort zones. Well, also, I'm sure well, I'm forgetting something. Well, Joel, yeah. well, Joel did. I mean, just do tragedy. And make no, no, right, 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 right. But as collaborators, yes, 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 yeah, yes, yeah. yes yeah. And it is, I mean, it just always bums me out. That's all. Yeah. Interesting. Also, I get to what you're that saying. this is the first film that they are actually finally credited as. Is that right? I was going to ask. Took a long yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. DGA, you know, yeah, the guild, the first the time guild. as directors and producers on it, which is it that's funny. I always like, thought it was No Country, but it's this movie. You're right. Yeah, I right. always thought it was Intolerable Cruelty for some mm. reason, and then, but yeah, it's, it's this one, which is really you would almost wonder if they would think like, hey, maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe, 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 maybe a pseudonym. Maybe we'll scene. be like Soderbergh and do pseudonyms for this one. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the Roderick Janes of it all. Yeah. Exactly. Is, and then what's his, for editing, he's Peter Andrews, right? Soderbergh. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. For, for, not for editing. Their, for their editing is Roderick Janes. He's cinematographer, Peter Andrews. Yes. Right. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Deacons, did Deacon shoot this? Deacon, Deacon shot this. Yeah, right, right, Deacon's right. pretty much was on like a run where he shot everything with them everything. up until yeah. Lewis, like after Sonnenfeld left, Poor and Roger. then up until Lewin Davis, it was yeah, yeah Deacons. Poor Roger. He, I mean, dec- decent enough work. I mean, it's it's it's, it's 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 fine. Like, it's not He's his doing best. Again. I think I think he makes a lot out of the fact that makes a lot I mean, out of this a movie is almost yeah. all interiors. Yeah. A lot of it is in that basement and in tunnels. I think those I think- opening and closing shots, like of her walking down the the city streets and stuff to the sheriff's office, I think that those are probably like Can the I, best. This is. Uh, I'll say this. This I think is the. I think the death knell of this movie, in terms of critical. You know, the the most vicious criticism I could throw at this movie, and I think it does kind of sink the movie, though I do like it. In the original, Alec Guinness conveys menace, right? And even though he's funny and the movie is funny, you are a little scared of these guys. You're kind of like, oh, this is a little, what's, okay. You're a little unsure. You're a little you're kind of stepping back on the wrong foot a little bit. You're kind of, which, which those Ealing movies have a lot of that. Like some of them are fun, but uh, they're all fun. But like, you know, like whiskey galore is just like a fun movie. Right. But like, but like, but, but the, the original lady killers, he's scary looking and scary. Right. And when it, and this, and the laughter is a, a relief, which I think Mm. is, is a good thing for a comedy. There's not a moment in this movie where any of those characters, most especially Hanks, conveys any menace at all. Now, I don't even know that the Coens intended it because it it seems very deliberate that this is almost like a spoof in a way, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that feels like a choice. Um, And remember at the time, oh, and this is just people just would not shut up about Marlon Wayans and like all the cursing and like what a bad performance. And now I watch it. I'm like, he's like the only one, the, the energy he's bringing to this movie, you can hate it or not. And he's doing a lot. It's like, I the, the criticism at the time I was rereading reviews. I was like, relax, relax <laughs> guys. About well, I also think that like, they just critics had it out a little bit yeah. sometimes for, and they just, I don't know, yeah. like I, yeah. He was in a lot of bad movies and and yeah. or in movies sure. at the time, and it wasn't probably like stretching himself probably more than he could have. But then it's also like, like you said, Dan, like he's kind of the only one trying to bring something here. Like I think so if you, you kind of wonder, of his, 
think about kind of wonder how much movie. of his yeah. dialogue is his off the cuff. Yeah, or if I should have dug into that. Yeah, or if the Coens wrote um, left some my of that, wallet in uh, El Segundo when she keeps talking about the, yeah. the that yeah, or you know iconic. Song. No, I'm just saying like um, just very interesting that the uh, the Coen brother. I, I, I read somebody's review. It's like it's just really interesting that they set this in a predominantly African-American community. Sure, sure. And it is interesting. It's just like, it doesn't, it, it doesn't really feel like it taps really into it or gets in depth into it or more than just like, I don't know. I wouldn't say stereotypical, but it just feels very much like it's not well uh, researched. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that there, there is something to be said about the, portrayal of the black characters in this movie being a little bit questionable maybe and yeah. it's it's tough because you are doing it's i mean it's a comedy right so it's like I, but i guess so but i mean th- i think there's a i mean i'll certainly hear that but like i think there's enough intention where you literally have you know hanks playing a plantation owner th- like he's doing right. a Colonel very Sanders, clear you know. like you know, mint julep thing, right? right Where right, it's right, like right. they're not addressing the racism or the critique of racism or the critique of, you know, white people going to black neighborhoods in this insidious way and poisoning them and, you know, to the de- the, the, the direct detriment of those citizens. Right. But it's all there. I mean, and I'm, I'm not trying to no, no, no this no, movie into a higher echelon. I'm just saying there's I think there's intention it is, there. I mean, certainly yeah, you I mean, could also speak to the Marlon Wayans. His job was Stephen Root as his boss. And right, exactly. The whole thing where Stephen Root says, everybody who works here is black. The next guy's going to be we'll black. You, the next guy's going to be black. And it's like, yeah, like moments like that. There Stephen is, Root, like, who just is he's, he's like, great, he's he could be in seven seconds of a movie and you yeah. would just be like. I mean, Tragedy and Macbeth, his, his yeah. moment in that is phenomenal. It's very true. Um. So that's, I mean, I think that's all stuff worth acknowledging, though I don't, Ryan, to your point, I don't know that any of it warrants, like, you know, a paper that would be published. Well, I mean, I don't right. think there's a lot here that's, like, you know, yeah. um, you know, very shrewd or, like, you know, yeah. contr- you know, or, um, or eye-opening or anything like that. But I think Irma P. Hall's, I think if any character has layers or something approaching layers it would be irma p hall who i think you're introduced to and you're meant to think oh she's a silly gospel woman and then i i do think i do think it by the end that's not the case right i do think she has enough wherewithal that you think okay you know and, and the fact that the you know the rest of the community just you know doesn't think it but perhaps that doesn't matter right and blah 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 i think that's all interesting enough but certainly yeah it's a lacking movie no doubt i mean in a world in a world of their their cv uh, you know you know you know even in television cruelty which like we said came out the year before which is one of my favorite cohen's there's so much in that movie like it's so funny the 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 pace of the movie even like just the artistry of like the Preston Sturgis of it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That alone, like is leaps and bounds above what they're doing here. Right. Cause yeah. there, there, there isn't a lot here that's ailing or an homage to it other than the bodies going off and, you know, 
that's that's a direct homage to the first movie right throwing the bodies off into the barge in the first movie i think it's a train but it's the yeah. same kind of a thing but anyway yeah i guess what i was just i was just getting at it's like the way that they write the characters the dialogue some of the stuff you just go i know the coen brothers are smarter than this they cannot like sure and you know and i'm not trying to bring this up but it, it is something that as i was re-watching because i hadn't seen the film since i want to say like two, when it came out on on you know I, I think I saw it on DVD when it came out and I rented it at Blockbuster or whatever. And I thought it was a, it was a film and I was like, yeah, okay, cool. You know, what did it, you know, it's got Tom Hanks and it is what it is. And I, and I brushed it on by and the more and more I've thought about it over the years, I'm like, is that movie good or is it bad? And I think it's mm-hmm. bad. And I, and I, when I was watching this one, I was like, it is so funny that like, and I, I usually can give benefit of the doubt to certain films or certain directors when they are writing about certain characters or using certain language. But like, I do want to know is like, is Marlon Wayne's character using a lot of dialogue of his own, or are they writing this character verbatim like it is in the film? And if so, that is some deeply troubling things about some directors where I'm like, why are you writing this character so stereotypically, it seems like, and just because you're writing it on the page, like Marlon Wayans can give in a, a very, you know, energetic performance because he is a very energetic entertainer. Always has been, you know, watch the movies of the time, like, you know, that he made with his brothers or like the, the scary movie franchise or whatever of the time. Like he, it also feels weird that he's in this film too, but it's also like, you're not going to turn down a Coen brothers movie, but the movie at times is dipping its toe in so many different avenues. Like this movie wants to be set contemporary yet have these sort of old fashioned kind of characters almost by every single person that is in this group. It feels like that are very different. And it's tough to get a read for like what time period. Yeah. Like what they want to accomplish. And like, if you want to have those conversations about race, or if you want to have those conversations about all that stuff, which now that you're mentioning that, Dan, it's like, okay, well, I know <laughs> Clooney and Heslov wanted to do that with Suburbicon, but it almost feels like in adjacent to Suburbicon, if you're, if you're trying to say that too, it's like, holy shit, like that they maybe learn from their mistakes and try to get rid of it or whatever, or, you know, what is true. But this movie, it should have been simply the Coen brothers trying to do like a Southern country fried version of like oceans 11 turned into a, like a massive farce. And mm-hmm. at times this movie just doesn't feel like that at all. It feels like that the, then it's trying to remake this movie, but it's also trying to do their own thing. It's trying to add their own flavor to it. It's trying, it feels like a studio maybe even interfered. It feels like a lot of things being put into a pot. And then when you serve that, it's not very appetizing at all and you can understand why they had to go on like a three-year sabbatical to try to figure out what the fuck they wanted to do next and then they i mean then they come back with a masterpiece but like this movie like hanks is doing the best he can it's so like he's so miscast he and and there's a reason why i don't think they've ever worked together again just because he doesn't work in this space i think and I think the the best performances are someone like J.K. Simmons, who's worked with them, but you know, 
later on and, and done other stuff with them. And Irma P. Hall, who's like not part like literally not part of this, but she's she understands like how to deliver that Cohen brothers kind of comedic dialogue. That I just don't think the others know how to do. And so for me, it's a very frustrating film because it's like these are directors I love. Why are they making dumbass decisions mm. in this movie that ultimately just I'm like, I sat there by the end of this. Mo- and this movie is what? Only like an hour and 45 minutes long. Yeah, I think it's like 100 minutes. Yeah. And I sat there and I was just like, man, this felt like quicksand, like mm-hmm. me just going straight through it. And it and it hurt. I was like, do I want them to maybe get back together? No, because then (laughs) like I was I was very like cynical by the end of it. I was like, man, you know, that's why I needed to watch something else, because by the end of this, I was like, man, I don't are the Coen's good. Like, do I need to reassess myself? (laughs) Like, like, what is life? You know, (laughs) and so because it's just tailspin. It's a real tailspin of a film. And it's so weird. And like I said, it is weird within their filmography because of the fact that, like, this is the answer they had for intolerable cruelty this is sort of like you're not just taking steps backwards you're running backwards in a marathon from the mistake of that like you didn't listen to a single person and as much as we love the coen brothers and in hindsight you know we should have never doubted them if you're thinking at that time as a studio i'm never going to touch them with a 10-foot pole with anything after this and yet they got tom hanks to play Colonel Sanders in a heist film. And it didn't really, I mean, it did not do well at the box office. It did not do well critically. Yeah. Know? I mean, but the, the, the not doing all the, bo- I, you know, it's like intolerable cruelty did well enough. Yeah. Um, it kept you know, them afloat. Like I said, it's still one of their highest grossing movies. Right. So it's, mm-hmm. it costs more than most of their movies. Certainly mm-hmm. uh, intolerable cruelty did, but it made more. Um, and you got to remember they had not yet had the hit that was No Country. True Grit still their biggest hit, right? Like they that upper that that level of monetary success had not yet happened because even though Fargo had all the accolades, it didn't make like a crap load of money. It made respect a respectable amount of money. So I do think one thing the studios would have kept making these movies. Cause even the lady killers cost basically 35, which is basically what they would. That's like basically the amount that those movies cost, right? Give or take, you know, 10 million. And it made like 77 or something, which like, yeah, you certainly yeah. nobody's making money off of it. Right. You give, give movie theaters half of that print advertising. So certainly nobody's making a lot of money on the lady killers. Certainly. But it's not like a, it's not like an, a, a, an embarrassing flop. But to your point, Ryan, the reviews certainly suggested perhaps more of that than was necessarily true. And so, yeah, I mean, I think the reset that then results in kind of them almost taking everything they've learned and creating this like almost like, I don't know, like example of like formal perfection with no country, like where they just kind of almost like, every, you know, I don't teach film, but like if I were teaching film, I would show frames of no country as examples of like perfect framing of shots. Right. So it's like, certainly the the jump from this to that is, you know, you cannot deny it, but I think since I love intolerable cruelty and Mitchell, I know you feel similar. 
I wouldn't say that was a mistake because I think they are going out on the ledge and I think it speaks to their kind of, I think in it, like, so for example, my point being like, you're not going to get Hail Caesar or Burn After Reading if they don't do Intolerable Cruelty. Yeah. Because I think they figure out something, right? Like, and I think, you know, when you get to these later comedies that, Brian, I know you like more. <laughs> I like, like movies. I think you, you, you got to take Baby the Bathwater, blah, blah, blah. Like, it all connects. Like, Lady Killers and Intolerable Cruelty call learning experiences, right? And I think when you get to, you know, Hail Caesar, it's like, that's that's as broad as anything they've done, but it's like also very shrewd and specific as well. It's like, so I think you can't get that movie without them doing these, you know, I think, so that's an important, I think, thing to say too. Yeah. I feel like for lady killers, the thing that like, I, I know Ryan, you said you felt like it was like a slog. It was like tough for you to get through. I didn't like really mind watching it. It just, I felt like, like I didn't, I didn't ever feel myself getting bored with it. I just more was never getting that extra kind of like jump that I get with a Coen's movie. And I think that that comes from maybe something that like Dan's talking about here where like it, at least for me, it feels like the, the stuff with the characters, it just feels very like broad, but broad in a way where there's nothing like more meaty to get into with it. It feels like the characters, most of them are really, and maybe other than Irma P. Hall's character, like most of them are in kind of one register we understand exactly what that register is from their introduction and they don't really break from that, like the entire movie. So it's just kind of putting in the key for what each character is like um, Ty Ma's thing is he swallows the cigarette and that's like kind of funny. And then they just keep like beating on that joke over and over again. Mm -hmm. JK Simmons, he has IBS like that gets introduced. It's kind of amusing, but then they just keep going back to that. Well, over and over again, Marlon Wayans, he's like not the brightest guy. He gets slapped around a little bit. Ryan Hurst is an idiot. And like, he's just kind of standing there being an idiot for the entire movie. And you compare it to something like Ocean's Eleven, which is an ensemble heist movie where each character, even if it is like the Casey Affleck and the Scott Kahn characters and that you feel like these are real human beings more and you understand kind of that rivalry between the two of them that goes back. And like there, there just is something that sparks more with every single one of the characters in there where it's not just like one kind of broad beat for each one and then that's all they really let them be for the entire movie and i feel like that's that's where lady killers gets let down the most for me at least i think is is in that idea of the characters just not having any kind of personality to them beyond just that basic thing for them yeah it just it just when we were talking about this earlier and you guys were saying that like this was going to be a very sound film film. This is the definition of yeah, somebody else is doing this. I have to come do this. I don't really feel like I'm. I mean, I might add my touches to it every now and then, and I'm going to bring my people on. But we're just gonna, you know, it almost feels like go through the motions to just get this thing over with. We we don't want to be here. You know, we don't want to be here. We wrote this thing. We just, you know, hand it off. And that's what we thought we were going to do. And at times that's what it just feels like, like reading up on it. It doesn't, there's not a single ounce of like, Oh, we had like this Cause you know, when people remake things and you both know this, when somebody remakes something, they have a passion for it or 
in this case nowadays, when somebody reboots things or Lego sequels something, they had a passion for it. They had an idea that surrounds, you know, the necessary reason to make it or why they attach themselves to a project, you know, and thus therefore like nostalgia or uh, just, just, you know, a, a, a true sense of like, I want to make my ode to this as well as remake it in such a way that is like, it plays off on the original or it heightens the original or it, you know, it, it reamps or, or reshapes uh, the story. We've seen that dozens and dozens of times. The problem here is that the Coen brothers didn't do that. And every decision feels like I'm doing this because the guy that was going to do this backed out, we're going to get this done. Boom, boom, boom. It's over. Move on. Did it make money? I don't care because literally it doesn't seem like that because, and we know the Coen brothers to be directors that take a lot of care into it. Dan, you mentioned intolerable cruelty, that that's Mm -hmm. a movie that shapes, you know, what we see with, you know, burn after reading or hail Caesar, or even like bits and parts of a serious man. Right. This movie doesn't shape anything from here on out. Like there's nothing I think from their filmography from here on out that they're like you know we really learned from uh, the lady killers uh, mm-hmm. for uh, true grit how to uh, no none of that none of that it's well not- yeah i mean it's a good example of another remake right yeah yeah i mean like you can tell there that they elevated material and made it even better than the original mm. and they put that care that cohen like that that meticulous cohen brothers care and attention to detail that we love them for right and I mean, even something like the tragedy of Macbeth is another example mm-hmm. where Joel Cohen is taking something that we've seen dozens and dozens of times. And it has a true sense of vision and, and just scope and what it is trying to do and say, mm. even with the decisions of casting older actors and what that is trying to say, there's intention with all of it. There doesn't feel like intention here. And that's really disappointing because you have the biggest superstar on the planet. You have a movie star here. You have a, an ensemble that most directors would kill to have, right? And it just feels like everyone's here maybe to collect a paycheck or maybe just to be like, somebody had to do it and we're, and we're just the brothers to do so, you know? So. Yeah, on its face, it it feels it def it certainly feels like more of a Barry Sonnenfeld movie, you know. I think, yeah, for sure. Um, which you know, Sonnenfeld's made a lot of good movies, so, but yeah, I mean, in terms of just kind of broad comedy, um, certainly. Though I do think there's a lot of Coen brother flourishes in the f- film. Yeah. Though, yeah, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with kind of anything you're saying generally. I think you're right, Ryan. I mean, there's a lot here that they don't repeat you know you can kind of understand why i suppose that it just doesn't really hit the way you know they were intending to or and even going back to the tom hanks um comment i think yeah tom hanks um is very earnest he's an earnest actor so i think you know the reason clooney works and you know what do they call that their idiot trilogy or whatever they call you know it's like i mean he works so well because you know, Clooney has an inherent goofiness to him, even when he was Doug Ross on ER, right? I mean, like he, you know, he 
for as handsome and matinee idly as he is, he spent his entire career trying to subvert it. And so it, it reads on his face. You know, Tom Hanks has always, even when he was playing more buffoon, more of a buffoon in Bachelor Party and whatnot, he always comes across as like, you know, earnest, right? Like more Jimmy Stewart's than, you know, I don't know, you know, pick, pick another actor of that age who's a little bit goofier, right? Like, so I think you're right. I think certainly it, it, there's a little oil and water happening where it's like, like I was saying before, there's not a lot of menace conveyed. There's not a lot of, you know, um, he's trying to convey goofiness and it just doesn't work perhaps as well had, as had it been, had it been J.K. Simmons in that role, right? Or like, you know, right. or not Clooney for this one, but, you know. Billy Bob Thornton from Nicolas Cage. Yeah. You know, Ooh. I know Nicholas, you know, Nicholas Cage and them didn't really get along on Raising Arizona. So I don't know that they would work together again. But like Nicholas Cage playing this character, my goodness, that would have been, I mm. think, I mean, uh, certainly something to watch. Yeah. 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 I th- a lot of the, the kind of reviews from the time were pointing out it being almost distracting to see like Hanks in this role. And it is like, I mean, you're pouring so much into the costuming and the accent and like all of that, which isn't something that he does a ton of in his other roles. And often when he is trying to do that, I know Ryan, you're a fan of the terminal. I'm not particularly, but like love me some terminal when he, when he is trying to do that, it feels a little bit too much. Like, you're a fan of the terminal and not this movie. <laughs> it's just I because- like I'll tell you what, I like this movie more than the terminal. No, sure. no. The terminal is a very very sweet, earnest little film. Plus it's got Tucci. This movie doesn't have Tucci. Sure. I mean, hey, I'm not gonna argue Tucci. Hey, He's hey. very good. I'm not gonna argue Tucci. Don't you argue Tucci? I do love I do love that Zoe Sonana gets romanced by Star Trek and then Yeah, that's there's some goes geeky, on to there's, star some geeky, and star there's some geeky stuff to it, but I, I do think that like the earnestness of of Hank's performance in that and it's just like the Spielbergian touches I think you know within that romance like for me like it's it's a movie that I can't explain to you why it works for me but it does same it year same year this yeah. Polar wow. Express and oh yeah Lady Polar Killers. Express is what what a, a weird what Hanks. a triangle can we just, can, speaking of now, triangles of sadness thing, now right? we've talked about the Lady Killers so let's just step back what in 04 are you are, can I are you going to talk about either of the other two or no? No, no, go, please go okay. ahead. We're not, so we're not doing an episode. Oh, four. So, wow. Polar Express, which huge, huge hit, right? Oh, and, and, and obviously, massive. Now, I'll say this a lot of people our age, I feel like we're all generally of the same age. Don't, don't. So, I, I have a fondness for the Polar Express because of my, I'm the oldest in my family. When I was younger, we would see a movie every Christmas, right? What have you. This is one, this is the beginning of that tradition, I think. And I love the book, obviously, like many children. Um, so I don't care about, I mean, I'm just being honest. I don't fucking care about the Uncanny Valley. Like, I get it. I get yeah. it. And you know what? I don't give a shit, right? Like, I'm just being honest. This, this is my opinion. Like, I get it. I think Zemeckis is a visionary. And I think, I think Beowulf is really good too. I think I do think Christmas Carol is a bridge too far. That's that's oh, where you're at. Let, let, let me say that. 
but I think Beowulf and Polar Express are really interesting movies. But I get, wow. I get, I get why people don't like them. I get why people don't like them. I think but Beowulf's so, an interesting movie. Yeah, Beowulf I like Beowulf, but it's bad. So I'll just say this: Oh four, wow. So Terminal. So this comes out first, <laughs> right? March. Then Terminals in the Terminals summer. a summer right release, summer, baby. Red Hot Terminal needs to drop that in the summer. <laughs> oh, I love and um, I and remember the, the Terminal getting like a wow. multi-page spread in like the Entertainment Weekly summer movie preview. It was like the the like key fixture for like whatever month it came out in. Yeah, it was, was the Terminal. And why wouldn't Morsky, it be? Spielberg, Hanks, Zeta Jones, Krakosia, Krakosia. Krakosia. yeah it's, it's i mean it's Krakosia. a weird it's a it's a bizarre year and it's also but interesting too that he he so he doesn't have anything in 05 and then in 06 is da vinci, da vinci code, code right. so it's like him we cracked like, the code we cracked the code in 06. he was like this isn't Apples. quite working 04 is not i had a couple maybe misses what should i figure out to do let's team back up with ron howard I'm going to do an action hero. I mean, I'm getting the hairpiece. And I mean, it worked. I mean, it was Howard. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it but makes it also sense. is on paper. It is the biggest book in the world. So of oh, course, yeah. and, I mean, and, and made a, a ton of a absurd amount of money. Amount of money. Even, with, even with all the protests and everything, it made was it like almost 800 million. 800 yeah, I, million think seven, like I think like 750. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking insane. Those, how much those movies have made. Like, Great movies. Yeah. Yeah, huge. Yeah. <laughs> Great movie, <laughs> But but oh four oh four is such a must have been a bleak year. You know, it's such an, a weird year. It's, but it's not easy, in the bank yeah. account. But not in the bank account. But you're right though. But it's that funny because we're talking about him wanting Mitchell. You said earlier him wanting to exactly. All three of those movies are that exact thing. He's he's so broad. He's like, let me just like, all right, Steve, let's do this weird. Capra movie that won't remotely oh, work. Sorry, Ryan. That's exactly that's exactly <laughs> what it is. It work. Oh, thank you. Work at all. God bless, oh, it does. Oh. We appreciate. I appreciate the eat. effort. Yeah, we appreciate exactly. the effort. Um, so good. And then Jay McBride. Oh my don't God. you feel like sometimes you just live at the airport? Yeah, don't you? In every trailer, every in every trailer. Oh, yes, so we good. do. Steven, we get it. Oh. Jeff, Nath- Jeff Nathanson. I- I rewatched Andrew. I mean, no, no, actually, it's Andrew Nichols, isn't it? Andrew Nichols screenplay. Oh, I would believe that. Isn't yeah. that? I a, it, oh, I believe it's that, a that wonderful um, John Williams. Do, 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 oh, you don't remember the score. It's a nickel. Yeah, yeah. it is Andrew so Nichol. He has a story. He is a story. Right. Okay, I was right. It's I was playing right. so, in my head yeah. right now, Mitchell. So, how dare you say that so, I don't remember so the terminal score? Gervasi and Nichols story credit, and Jeff, catch me if you can. Nathanson was brought. Right, up. Right, 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 right. Remember that scene right where he story. tries, where he tries to get. Nobody remembers Peter, whatever scene that you're. And he he gets the cards. Yeah. That is that's a good cents. that's a good sequence. Oh, it's so it's a, so funny. It's so heartwarming. It's so game. Game. That's you know, I re- I rewatched the terminal a year ago and I don't remember a thing about it. Yeah, and they play poker. But so and then even and then even so the Polar Express, he's doing like six characters. Yeah, he's it, this is when Robert Zemeckis he's really no one told him no. Yeah. Said, and yeah. hey, after after dude, after contact and castaway, who would tell him no? I mean, I mean, honestly, I, I mean somebody. It's that thing of like Spielberg talked about, and you know, that, that you need to have some people around you to say no, otherwise you become uh, a hack. But I don't I mean, see the poll, but so but I do think the, the the image movers years for um God. Zemeckis 
though I think you would call it a uh, obviously you would I think call it a failure overall. Yes. Because um, obviously after the Polar Express, none of them do particularly well. Though Beowulf made more money. Like I remember it is shocking how much money. Beowulf I remember made. being there opening night for Beowulf because we As were it reading it in school, and I just Great remember. Story. I, I just remember sitting there going, please make it stop. And it please. is the book. What's crazy too is like you really can. I mean, they change some things, but like I've read Beowulf. Many of us have, obviously, because it's you know, it's one of it's the like early a, texts. It's one of the books that doesn't get banned at school. Yeah. And it, I, look, I don't think it should. I mean, I think no, I think I think I think, just, I, think a, I think no, I know, I know. I think oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, get I, I think you <laughs> I, I think you should read Canterbury Tales, you should read Beowulf, like because those are like essential texts, like in, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, it's it's you know it's Beowulf, like, um, Beowulf the tale is all this time. The budget for Beowulf was 150 million and worldwide it only made 196, which is no no, I know I'm not saying it was like it made yeah, it made a ton of I'm just shocked it made 200 million dollars. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Ray Winstone is your lead. It's like just a classic Ray Winstone, the only one who they didn't try to like match the the seed the The body to the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just show you how we looking like I'm Beowulf. I'm Beowulf. I'm Beowulf. Ray Winstone the year departed. The year after the departed. Yeah, right we all saw Mr. French, and we were like, "Yeah, what's next?" That's, that's Beowulf. That's the guy for Beowulf. Right? What's next for Sexy Beast? Here? You know, you know, um, I'm on Beowulf. Oh, he just goes Beowulf. to the DMV and he's like, "I'm Beowulf. Put it on, put it on my." Now Zeme- Zemeckis has a. There's a reunion happening currently, right? Because I think Pinocchio. Oh, he's fucking doing Pinocchio. That's right. right. Is it, right. Disney. It, it is a Hanks. It's a Hanks. Oh, it's yeah, a Hanks. that's right. Hanks, Hanks is Geppetto. <sighs> Disney, um, right? It's the Disney version of it, right? Because yeah. there's two happening. Yeah, you have. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's the, the Del Toro one, Del Toro which Toro was one. like the yeah. animated one, and then Cynthia Cynthia Revo is the Blue Fairy yeah. casting there. Um, Jiminy Cricket played by Stanley Tucci, the Walks own JGL. Oh, oh no! Oh, uh-oh. I mean, that feels exactly what Joe, Joey is a cricket. I want the French accent from the walk. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I want. I want that French accent as Jiminy Cricket. And if I don't get that, then Zemeckis failed us all. Oh, Pinocchio. Lorraine anyway. Bracco. Lorraine Bracco. Lorraine Bracco's in it? Yeah. As the seagull, the voice of Sophia. She's the, the psychiatrist, right? In it? She's like, Geppetto, you come here. Geppetto, you come in here every week, and I'm telling you, you got to look at yourself in the mirror, Geppetto. Geppetto's like, I don't know. You woke kind up of, this I'm morning, kind of you got yourself my, a gun, Geppetto. Kind of attracted to my my psychiatrist. I don't know. I thought you were a good fellow. You know, I, I, I always remember I wanted to be a cobbler. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Ray Liotta. Oh, man. Ray Liotta would be, I mean, this is I was honestly about to say Ray Liotta would be a good guy to do. He, he is an amazing oh, Ray, Ray Liotta would be a great guy. To oh, I thought you were saying Ray Liotta. I was going to say Ray Liotta be... would be good as the lead in the Lady Killers as the Tom <laughs> oh, Hanks role. Actually, I mean, I think you got to make some some, di- no. some different performance decisions based on his <laughs> abilities. God bless mm-hmm. Ray, but you know, I think. I but think, he would be great. Yeah. Dan, we we recently on the B side talked about uh, Heartbreakers, where yeah, Yoda so is. Good. I mean, that's menace. a comedic role where he's still conveying menace. So I think. I mean, his whole career is built off of something wild and right, yeah, and that that very amazing, complicated, menacing, yeah, you know, movie changing performance. And I think 
you need a little bit of that here for sure in the Lady Killers, for sure. Yeah, yeah I think the... What is that Krokosian saying? <laughs> oh, Ryan, Ryan, you know the Ryan, one. You know Ryan. Yeah. You know. From Krokosia, what's that saying? That Krokosian proverb? Oh. Oh, the about about what exactly? Because there's so many about menace. I mean, there's so many Krakosians. Well, you know the Krakosia. When you start talking thing, about Krakosia, you could just. A, I was a, there pre-pandemic. Oh. I was in Krakosia. Yeah, we were hanging out on the beaches of Krakosia. Oh my god! Oh my god! The, the view? black sand. The view. Oh well, please don't get me yeah, started. The, yeah, the green oh, skies. Man, Krakosia. Oh my god! What a yeah that that those that green hue on the black yeah, sands a, of Krakosia. Yeah. yeah, you think it's pink at first, and then it turns into green, and you're like, "Who?" Well, that's the sediment. That's the pollution in the exactly. sediment. Exactly. Just that like, part of the world really opens up the food. The oysters. That very specific Krakosia, part of the world, you know, Krakosia. Yeah. You know, don't that eat country. the oysters. Is what we're trying to say. That exists. You know, but um, eat the Burger King and the, and the uh, the in-flight meals. Yeah. Oh, what a picture. What, what a picture. picture. But yes, no, I Dan, I agree with you about uh about uh Polar Express because like that movie, I remember going downtown in the IMAX, seeing it in 3D. Sure. That was like the like oh my god. If you still don't believe in uh like like I was I don't know, like 11 or 12 and so like you're still like right on the cusp of you're still a kid but then you're going you know like you're about to like flip right 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 and so you probably don't believe anymore and yeah you're about to believe and then like by the end of that movie you're like no i fucking believe it's all it's it's all real like like what are you talking about bobby z made me make it it's real and it's movies such a like i i've have never i haven't seen it all the way through all all i know is i see photos of people like talk about the, yeah the uncanny valley stuff and you're just like, yeah it it has an age well but like mitchell when we talked about toy story like that doesn't age well in particular either like the first film as opposed to like then the second film you know sure it's, and it's all about just like what the story makes you feel and everything i'm not trying to defend polar express or anything here i just haven't seen it in a long time but I don't never see, i've never i've never seen it but yeah but then oh, like zemeckis does nice. like beowulf and then he does oh god what's the other one that he did christmas, christmas carol Dan, christmas Dan carol Dan. and a little bit of, and uses a little bit of it for marwin and shit like that and he's gonna probably use it for you know pinocchio well, welcome welcome tomorrow yeah, yeah welcome tomorrow yeah. yeah and then pinocchio will make like 500 600 million dollars and we'll just all you know hate ourselves for you it better make more than that are you kidding me <laughs> I'm, not even, I'm not even kidding I'm not i was just talking about i was just talking about opening weekend if it doesn't hit if it doesn't hit a billion they're i mean like, we're in trouble i mean but all in all seriousness actually yes though like yeah, no exactly yeah they're like, they make yeah. movies to hit a billion or like, like i would bet you trouble if you talk to bob Iger, he would tell you like if you gave him truth serum or not even whatever, like, <laughs> like, I bet you a movie like Pin- truthful guy. I, I bet, I bet you Pinocchio, Headline they have to make $800 million. Absolutely. Yeah. I would well, bet you. Also too, I can't wait for Pinocchio to have uh, Disney's first uh, gay character uh, have a, have a kiss in it or, you know, like have agency or something. Cause you know, is like, some, is there something happening with that? Well, no, it's because like for like seven or eight films, they've been oh, like, because oh, they Disney. keep saying, yeah, they keep saying, yeah, well, yeah, it's yeah. For first. Well, Beauty the and the Beast was, like, was the yeah. first one. Avengers, and then it was like whatever. Uh, Endgame was the yeah, first one. Endgame, and, and then uh, one of the Star Wars had Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, so they cut like out all these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like they're so desperate. They're so desperate. Those Disney people. And they really. It's it. It comes. It's just like really sad at a certain point. It's just like God damn. What but, you got to yeah. do. What you both have to do is go dig up the wonderful world of Disney 
movie of Pinocchio starring Drew Carey as Geppetto, Julia Louis Dreyfus as yeah. the Okay, as the I fairy? think I saw this. Mm-hmm. It's, a, a, it's a thing that happened. I watched it. As, as it was like kid. around that time when like Cinderella got big for them with the Whitney Houston. And, and it was well, they did. They had a thing called Wonderful World of Disney, and it was like yeah. a Saturday night programming or I something. Yeah, that's where we got it. the Victor Garber, um, uh, uh, Annie. Uh, Annie, yeah, with and uh, you got Peter Bogdanovich directed a saintly switch with David Alan Greer and Vivica Mm -hmm. Fox. It was like stuff like that. It was Kathy Bates is who I was thinking of with Annie. Yeah, that too. Right, she's Hannigan. She's Hannigan. That was the Annie. By the way, that was the Annie I watched. I mean, that's that's the Annie I think of when I think. I know people think of the Finney one and. You know, the, the new uh, one, the, the, the new Jamie Foxx, we all know and love. Convention I saw a. it in the theaters. Yeah. Is, that, uh, the, is that Cameron Diaz? Cameron, Cameron Diaz, Diaz, her like yeah. one of her, her last, maybe her, her last. I think it's her last. I think it's her last, last one. Last, yeah. 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 I think it's her last one because that was like a year she had like three movies that year. And then she Let me just is that the year out. the counselor? Is that the year the counselor? No, the counselor was the year before. I was gonna say 2014 was um the the other woman, woman, and then sex tape. And yep. then Annie at the end, and that was her last. The last, movie. the last yeah. guest. I would have loved I, if it was like in the same holiday season. The counselor, as the like counselor, Annie come out. That would be. Just I will say, um, juxtaposition. That be a, a true. I think a truly great Cameron performance in a very good movie is in her shoes. I would oh, say. I love in her shoes. Everybody should watch in her shoes. In Tony Collette. Curtis Hanson, the Cameron guy, R.I.P. Curtis Um, Cameron Diaz would be like a good one to do like a series on, I think, because it's a really interesting her. career. Yeah, I miss I her miss too. Her so I miss much. her too. She's she was good. Man, I feel like she, she could good. be doing like some of these roles Jessica Chastain's been doing the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Oh, could you imagine like Cameron Diaz in a most violent year? I could. This, this is my thought. Oh, that that yeah. actually would. Yeah, I think that would I'd actually like really that. work. She could do that because you know, like the whole like that was disrespectful. She could do that. She could do that. Yeah. yeah. God, yeah, yeah. most violent here. Yeah, man. The Ben Affleck role in uh, what's <laughs> the movie where they rob the pound? What's the movie where they rob the thing? J.C. Chandor. No, J.C. Oh, Chandor. oh, Triple oh, Frontier. Triple Frontier. Triple. Yeah, her her is the Ben Affleck role in her Triple Frontier. Oh my god. I, Hers, hers, the Ben Affleck role in the hers tender the bar. Hers, the Ben Affleck role in the last duel. Her is the. Oh my the, God! Her is uh, Mitchell. Hers, the Ben Affleck role in the last duel. It would really, it would really Ooh. change things up. I think. Oh, that's a make some make some interesting choices there. What? How about this? How about this? I think this is this is the gavel slammer. What if oh you're not replacing Affleck, but you are, you are parallel to affleck and she plays the tender bar oh shit she's the, the bar bar she's the bar what if she she's is the the, what if she's laying horizontal i don't think <laughs> um interesting i don't she think can, hollywood would can, go for that she can she has, I, but she, she has play. lines of dialogue she has lines of, she oh it's can, like it's like shown. this is like a disney animated film yeah it's like, like it's like the bar is he sees it's Cameron like a beauty Diaz. and the beast sort of right, thing right, right. it's like right. a shallow howl kind of thing you know <laughs> yeah. he, sees, he sees gwyneth paltrow everybody else sees yes. a problematic a bar a bar yeah. a bar, a bar. She he sees Cameron Diaz, and everybody else sees a bar <laughs> a bar and the bar that he sees is tender is, is tender and, and i she, think very she's sweet. known she's known to be tender i she's feel like, a billion dollars like coming on right she's now. like ben 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 that's your that's your nephew so <laughs> come on um 
I like yeah, that idea. Ooh. Yeah, but That's what he? Yeah, I. We got any other thoughts on the lady killers? Or <laughs> no, I mean, I think I mean, look, I think the fact it was nice to button it with oh four because it's so funny when you just when you think about Tom Hanks because it's yeah. like it really is to to all of our points him being like let me mix it up and I think Ryan you mentioned it earlier I feel like road to perdition is that is the beginning of that a little bit where like you know mendy's is coming off of man beauty boy and the the fact that like we talked about in that episode mitchell but that mendy's wanted to do something different it was originally supposed to be spielberg right it was a dreamworks yeah it was a dreamworks prop and he wanted to do something different and like yeah well look we had all learned this is so important we'd all learned from american beauty to look closer god damn it and so i think and points points dan Points, points to had, we all had learned that movie. Holy Listen, shit. when you when you decide to win a bunch of Oscars for a shit movie, and then, you de- and then you decide to come shit. back with your best film, like good for you. What's so crazy about American Beauty is so much of it <laughs> is good. Like, like, like the Benning, the Annette Benning stuff mm-hmm. is like really very effective. And like, I, re- I, re- I re- well, well, Peter Gallery. <laughs> But like seriously, like there are things in it. I mean, Alan Ball knows what he's doing. It's not like, yeah. but it's just when you watch it, you're like. But the movie's on the on the nose like too much. But it's just, but not, forget about even that. Alan Ball is always on the nose. But like, but 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 literally, like the Kevin Spacey is like thinking about having sex with somebody who's underage throughout the movie, <laughs> and the movie is just like, what well, you know. <laughs> It really like, like that's the tone of the movie. Like it's just like, well, you know how dads are. <laughs> and you're like, I was like rewatching it a year ago. I was like, wow, I forgot that like the whole Minas Navari thing is like you like it's just like a part of it. It is it isn't a part of it. It is the job. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, it's to, just a part of the movie. It's not like a, a, conf- it's a conflict, but not like a He's yeah. just cutting loose, having a good time, wanting to fuck the kid. You know, wow. it's the thing it's that just so happens. crazy. It's and not to mention the whole, I mean, the, I mean, all the homosexuality stuff is just, I would say, poor, let's say poorly handled, I'd say. We'll say not handled well. But we learned, you, we learned to look closer. But yeah, exactly. When you look closer, honestly. And, and so did Hanks and Perdition Works. And you could understand him being like, um, let me go down. Let me keep going down this road. Let's see where this road takes me. That's what I think is really fascinating is like this, this period of his career is maybe the most interesting period of his career where it's because it's the period where he is like, it's like bucking a little bit. He like had, as you know, you mentioned talking about like Dragnet and kind of that period earlier. It's like him coming up as like the comedy guy, the bosom buddies guy. And then he gets like big and he gets like a little, gets to do a little bit more serious and getting into that. He has like bonfire, the vanities around that time, which is like, notably that's a a, huge, that's a big, but it's a big him getting cast in that role was a big deal. Yeah. Performance. You want to talk about, I don't know if you guys have read that book, but if you want to talk about just not understanding the assignment, like, Casting him as Sherman McCoy yeah. is one of the weirdest things. Like the only thing weirder in the history of Hollywood casting is casting Bruce Willis as Peter Fallow. It's like in the yeah. same movie, you're it's like, 
fascinating movie. But Melanie Griffith is good. She's fantastic. Is the right, is the right casting. Yeah. But but on either side of her, it's like some of the weirdest. Like it's just so. It should have been like, like it literally, like Sherman McCoy should have literally been like, maybe not Steve Martin, but like, even like even like a buttoned up Rick Moranis, right, or something. Right. Like it just. Mm. Oh man, Hanks yeah. does not sell that movie. It's, anyway, it's a yeah. It's kind a, of it's an a interesting movie, movie though. But, so yeah. I mean, it's it's a, a bonfire of the van. Bon, bonfire. Oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a really so, interesting yeah. movie to watch. I hadn't seen it until last year sometime, and it's. I mean, it's. As as a huge, I mean, Brian De Palma is one of my like five favorite directors. It's like a yeah. really, really interesting movie to watch. Crazy movie, but yeah. yeah. So it's like that doesn't work, and then, but almost immediately he gets on the run. Penny Marshall, so yeah, right. Their own Philadelphia Forest Gump, and that, so he like yeah. had no real struggle with having a hit or like going into like a role that doesn't really fit him or anything. And so then Castaway happens, and he goes into this period where he starts starts taking swings, and so I think even if they don't fully work, it's interesting to watch him trying to navigate doing different things and having it like buck a little bit before he then kind of counters it back again. I mean, obviously the Robert Langdon stuff is. Well, but I think, but, but, but to end, to, to approach the end, the ending on a positive note, I would say what's fun to think about is Ryan likes the terminal. I like the (laughs) polar express. You like the lady killers, right? Like, that's that speaks to the to the diversity yeah. of yeah of, of what he's giving you and we and all I, yeah we all love Monty Monster which I think is well really the, the thing to take away from I'll put words in my mouth this episode nobody put them in they're they're already there and, I, I've always been a Monty Monster right? we know that <laughs> we all yeah. just just ask my wife <laughs> oh, <no>. tip your <laughs> waiters or waitresses. <laughs> Uh, this is 1959. Uh, we're in the Poconos. Should have done the terminal. That would have been a lot of fun to talk about. Oh, now Ryan's just sad. He's like, "Why do we do this and not the terminal?" Oh, how, how give me an excuse to watch that movie again? It's- you know what's funny though, Mitchell? Um, it's a bummer. Hanks didn't make one other Penny Marshall movie. Yeah, because you know Big and League, great. Yeah, one more would have been nice. He he. he I mean. He, Hanks has these like relationships with directors that are really interesting where he goes back to the Spielberg and the Howard and Zemeckis too and everything. But yeah, Penny Marshall would have been. Yeah. One more with Penny. One more. And also I know Ryan, you mentioned to him like the, the Coens of it all, like him not fitting well with this. I honestly, one of the frustrations for me with this movie is that I think in other coen brothers like venues i think i could see hanks working really well oh yeah and so it's it's almost frustrating that them teaming up didn't pan out and then they just well, never work together again he would have you know what speaking of more recent work he would have been good in the josh berlin role in hail caesar right yeah that that would have oh, been great like now berlin is great him. berlin is great in the mo- movie fantastic. so I, I would not want that to happen necessarily but i think to your point mitchell as the Coens have matured, I do think you're right. He could have, and I still could. See him I mean, as he still could, obviously. Maybe like the Malkovich role in Burn After Reading. I was going to say or... he could get really frustrated in that, or like, yeah, like something. Could, oh, that's I interesting. Could, I could see him as like, hmm. What do we learn, Palmer? J.K. Simmons. No. Oh. That is you know, him and David Rash, him and David Rash, those scenes, those little mm, buttons are, are the funniest. So good. Where he goes, where <laughs> he goes, where, where, 
and then the, and there is the case of the woman. He's like, oh fuck, right? He's like, he like <laughs> forgot about Francis McDormand's yeah. character. And he's like, um, we he was trying to leave the country. We stopped. And he's like, why? Why? Why did you stop? <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, let him go. Put him on the next plane. He's yeah. like, let him, let him he have done the? He, could he have done Clooney and Burn After Reading? No, I don't think so. I don't, Clooney, I, that, I, the Clooney, thing Clooney yeah. does is so. Yeah, he's specific. perfect for that. Well, no, I'm just trying to find like of their films that they've done like i mean i I don't think he could have done rooster cogburn that just doesn't seem well i think it would have probably been more maligned i think to our point right it would have been more yeah i don't think it would have been uh i don't think he would have gone as obviously he'd be the the best mcduff you know we all we all know we don't even need to say that he would you know well that's i think we that's yeah we just take that for granted obviously (laughs) mcduff right coming into the series really man yeah, it would have been interesting to see what he would have done with them. There's I mean, still maybe, time. Maybe, I mean, there's, there's still time. time. Could, there's still time. Yeah, he could do something. Uh, d- just want to say something real quick. Hmm. This was a, like we said, a banner year for um, the diversified portfolio of uh, Tom Hanks and, and Dan claimed the Polar Express and gave Mitchell the Lady Killers yes, and gave me the Terminal. So Roger Ebert. We'll see who Roger stands by here. So the lady, oh, yeah, I was, exactly. yeah, I was, two, I was reading two and a half yeah. out of four, two and a half. When I guess for, what he for gave, lady killers, yeah, yes, the terminal. I think he gave two and a half, three and a half out of four. Really? See, I, I had a feeling he probably loved the terminal. Okay, good but, for Roger. But the Polar four? Express was four, four, four out of four, and he honestly had not just one, but two reviews for the film. So it's technically he gave it eight stars. A four spot. <laughs> a Roger, a classic Roger four spot. Good for him. That was a man who I think Ryan to our our tangent earlier among many, as he got older, was would be someone who would have said the thing about not hating movies. I think he oh, yeah. 100%. as oh, he yeah. got older, he was like, you know what? Appreciate it. I just like watching movies. And I think I've reached that point. Like I joke about this with Connor and uh Corey and Jordan all the time. Um, our, our cinephile uh, buddies, like all those people. My letterbox is is it's softer than most. Others. Yeah, oh, mine too. But it's just because it's because I, I skip out I, on I like a lot what, of the crap. But I like watching mean? movies too. Like I just kind of am like eh, I'm I'm that way too. Nice. No, like, you know what like, I mean. Like that's how I feel. I just yeah. I I mean we've kind of talked about it on this podcast, honestly, with a movie like Castaway. I kind of saw. The first time I saw Castaway, I was like 20 years old and I was in this period of being kind of like a movie snob. And so like I thought like like, like most 20. Yeah, yeah. I thought I was like too good for it. And I was really excited to revisit it because I know the person that I am now and I'm so much more open to just appreciating just about anything. And even when I don't like something, it's on like Letterboxd, it is tough for me to go lower than like a two and a half, like, or like a two, if I like really don't caught into something, but yeah, like, two is my kind of like, if you see me give something to two, I didn't like, it. I really yeah. give something a one and I just gave one. Right. To a movie. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I, and th- yeah. that's the thing. Like I used to not this one give out stuff. I saw you give this all one and a half. This is um, one and a half, but it's not the coveted one. Right. Like, what can, can you, can you say what you give? Yeah. I give it no? to men. I couldn't stand. Oh, it. you didn't like men. I haven't um, seen men. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. But I, yeah. I don't think I'm gonna like. Though it. only one movie I, has I ever gotten like a, Garland, a half but... star review. I'm giving. What's that? One, you know. Do I? Climax. 
Oh, right, oh, right, right, right. The, yeah, the yeah. Noe, the Gaspar Noe. A movie that I like. Gaspar. <laughs> um, yeah, no, yeah. I, yeah. The, the whole idea, I think all three of us, because again, we are, you know, similar-ish ages. And like, I think that we hit up that point of like, you guys are also 22, as... right? <laughs> JK. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, when I first saw Castaway when I was 22 years ago, actually, I was Romeo and Juliet. Kind of you know. And yeah, I, um, Romeo and Juliet. I like, um, yeah, it's, it's hitting that we're also three people who have like loved movies our entire life. Yeah. And, I think that's yeah. part of it. It's I mean, like, but, but Forrest Gump, right? Yeah. You guys did a Forrest Gump episode. I know neither of you particularly care for the movie but right forrest gump is a good example of what you're talking about in terms of getting older where obviously as a kid i liked it everybody liked it everybody watched it then i got snotty and my dad loved it and and i vivid not vividly vaguely remember like getting into an argument with him about it when i was in college being like dad like it's so broad it's like (laughs) stereotypical like you don't even get it and, you know, my dad was just kind of calmly being like, well, you don't understand. You know, it represents, you know, like a generational thing. And it reminds me of this, like like everybody who loves the movie. Right. Yeah. And I was like, whatever, you know, OK, boomer, literally. probably. You know. <laughs> but then I got older, then I got older and I've come back around on Forrest Gump, not as a straightforward drama, but as a. A. Um you know, a satire that I appreciate whether or not Zemeckis intended it. I do not care. I I, I could give a shit. I approach it as a fairly shrewd. People have done that. Yeah. yeah, I approach it as a fairly shrewd um, satire slash critique of boomerism. Yeah. And I like the movie. Right. So that's me coming around and you get older and blah, blah, blah. Right. And whatever. But my point is just like, that's exactly right. And now I just, it's even something like the lady killers, not a masterpiece, but I just watched it. I'm like, ah, look at Tom doing an accent. Marlon's having fun. Hey, it's Simmons. A Simmons. It's doing a Simmons. What am I going to, what am I going to give it less than a three? Our days movie. are numbered. I mean, like, um, yeah, I mean, like I'm, I'm on record. I'm not the biggest James Cameron fan in the world, but I'm doing a movie series for another podcast over him for his and i'm gonna watch all of his movies this year and i'm gonna see if that stuff changed because i think you got to evolve a little bit you know if you are stuck on those sides for too yeah, long like right, right, and right. also too we all three of us do this more than i think some other people and other people should do it more is that like there is so much negativity out there well, that's in the world. In a whole other thing and, yeah. and well yeah. it and and this is something like we're very privileged to do you know, to be able to see movies, to talk about movies, to to go to screenings, to get screeners, whatever. It's such a privilege to do that, that like it would have to take an absolute abomination for me to just flat out say, okay, I'm, I hate this. I'm, this is awful, mm-hmm. you know? And listen, I did not like men. I gave it one out of five on, on, on Letterboxd, whatever. Good but like, I still appreciate the fact that like he took swings and I, sure, I, sure, you know, sure. I just don't like the messaging behind it and all whatnot. But I think, yeah, Ebert, we don't have a lot of Eberts anymore. We don't have an well, Ebert at all. I, I don't have, him he had optimism even. I miss him. Yeah. I miss, I miss him, him mostly because of that. The last, the last 15 years, I do yeah. miss like, 
just his general optimism you know yeah. and it's just like i do think you're right i think that's certainly absent in a lot of conversations yeah. um because there's so much cyn- yeah. cynicism that that can in seep in our world well even because, just like you know yeah and even just like a need to be and i think it's you you get engagement so i get i get why you have to do it i suppose but like the need to be like, like I, I see like pe- people. I'm sure we all follow on Twitter. Like, they like quote something, and it's like I'm just like, wait, why, why are we being mean about this thing? I don't even understand like why we're like mm-hmm. choosing to do this. Like, I get it, like inherently, like I said, for engagement, I suppose. But like, just fundamentally, I, I read it, and I'm just like. What are we doing? Who is this for? Like, yes. what is what is being achieved by this? Like, yeah. like this meanness about a thing that's like only positive. Like, I won't get into specifics, but I like saw a specific thing, and I like, I like, I literally like texted Connor. I was like, "Why? Why <laughs> does this happen?" I was like, "I, I get it, but like, I just, you know, I have to ask the question." No, I get. Yeah. No, I get it, yeah. and yeah. and that's why we could all be like Victor Naborski and just live life. <laughs> Live one only, Burger King burger. One at Burger a time. King burger at a time. I, you know. One Burger King burger. <laughs> Mitchell's just out. Oh, the In- In- summation, Money Monster, a great movie. If you haven't seen it, Unbroken. You can, you can buy rented. The terminal. Probably. I mean, you can maybe skip that one. No. Terminal. HBO Express. Unbroken. This Christmas, you will believe. Start. Actually, if we're going to recommend something from from uh startup okay yeah startup startup a great great movie yeah david mckenzie great david good mckenzie movie. heller high mckenzie water. right before before hell or high water fantastic yeah, yeah. Right, right right literally right before anyway yeah. yeah well let's let's dive into you know kind of the the segment that we like to do here at the end where we each pick a movie starring one of the actors in the movie that we're covering who is not the actor that we are currently doing a series on and we recommend to listeners you know a, a different movie for them to to get a peek at starring one of those actors dan since you are our guest would you right. if you had something in mind if you wanted to well marlon wayans i'll just say he's good very good in supporting roles in the heat and on the rocks mm-hmm. I, yeah he was yeah he's great in that. Oh. so i would just say if you want to if you want a subdued semi-romantic marlin um you'll get it in either of those two and i don't think i need to recommend this but obviously as the co-lead in dungeons and dragons of course of course course. courtney solomon we we all know we all know yeah i think that goes without saying but i just didn't mention it yeah those are my recommendations (laughs) that was was epic epic um (laughs) there's a lot of great actors here i'm gonna go with uh, time off and uh recommend a film that many of our listeners have probably seen but it's 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 a it's one i think the more i've separated myself from it since 2019 and seeing it the more i love it it's the farewell oh great yeah. film. i was thinking about saying that yeah it's great and it's like that movie that movie hit me at such a it's such a hard time i just lost my grandmother uh, a couple months before and I sat in the theater and i kind of knew what it was about but i didn't really like know what I was getting myself into, I was by myself and it was a massive wreck. And uh Zha Zhen, um, who's just incredible, and 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 Aquafina, who's incredible in the film. But really, like I've just been, 
you know, we talk about like directors and we can't see, wait to see their next step. Like we talked about the Coens and like their next step after this and, and things like that. I'm so interested in seeing what Lulu Wong does next because of the fact that she really knocked it out of the park here. Uh, it's so personal and it's beautiful. And yeah, I would just recommend everybody watch that. And it's obviously it's not for the faint of heart. It's a very, you know, uh, sad film, but it's it's beautiful and it also has good laughs and stuff in it. It's it's a very great balanced balancing act, and I love that film. Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic. Movie. Funny yeah. thing, Taima is in Red Corner, which we were talking about earlier, and he. Uh, I would also just briefly recommend. Um, he's great in the Quiet American. Yes, which is the Philip Noyce. Michael yeah. Caine, Brendan Fraser movie. Michael, one of my favorite Michael Caine performances. That movie's underrated. Yeah, it I is. Really it's a good movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a good movie. Good yeah. movie. Yeah. My my recommendation is going to come from Irma P. Hall. We did we talked earlier about the fact that she's the mom in Collateral, which she's a blast, and that's a great movie. The one that I would like to recommend is Werner Herzog's Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, oh, New right. Orleans, right, which right, right. she is in, and that I mean it's just a an absolutely gonzo movie. I think it's the like history of like the Werner Herzog, Abel Ferreira, like back and forth with that is hysterical to get into, but on its own terms, it's a real blast of a movie and him like doing just this thing and cage. I mean, that collaboration between him and cage is just wild. And Eva Mendez, who is like, I think probably mm-hmm. one of my favorite actors and somebody who I really miss in. I know. Movies. Thanks a lot, like, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> yeah, Ryan, son gray son man, the gray man himself yeah. strikes son again. The, the, the gray man, he the strikes gray man. again. That gray man, and I mean, yeah, Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans is like an absolute blast for anybody to watch. She also, Emma P. Hall, was in Vern Herzog's movie after that as well, in like a slightly smaller role, My Son, My Son, What Have You, so done, what have you done, which is yeah. an even crazier movie, Certainly. I think, than Bad Lieutenant, and also also well worth watching. Though Michael Shannon's great in it. Grace Zabriskie's performance in My Son, My Son, What Have You Done is like incredible. Um, but yeah, so those are our picks for that. Dan Wall, before we let you go, I did mm. want to ask you because you co-host the b-side the sure. b-side podcast and i know that you and connor did an episode earlier like a half on, episode yeah. Yeah, yeah you did a uh tim allen tom, tom hanks, hanks episode right and your b-sides for hanks on that were the man with the red shoe and joe versus volcano which right, joe right. versus volcano i saw recently and i absolutely loved that movie good so movie. that's yeah sure that's a really good pick but i was curious you know did you have any other tom hanks b-sides that you would oh yeah want to i mean a lot of the 80s stuff you'd call B-sides, right? I yeah. Think you call Dragnet a B-side. Um, you know, I certainly think you'd call um, Volunteers, which is the right, movie sure. he made where he met, I believe, Rita Wilson. Mm-hmm. You would call that a B-side. Um, what else? I mean, he's done so much. I think I'm just going to look at his little thing here. I would say, let me see. Like nothing in common, which I believe is a Gary Marshall movie with him and Jackie Gleason. Um, that's an interesting movie. Those are all kind of these are younger movies. Yeah, yeah. And then and then uh, nothing in the nineties is a B side. But then like exactly, yeah. I would say like, um, well, I'm reading here the Polar Express. Um, (laughs) He um, nice. I would say you know it's funny. This is probably not a B side. Though I would say, um, I do think, um, 
and now I lost my now I lost it. Oh yeah, Charlie Wilson's War. Oh, I do like, and I do think it's worth recommending. So maybe that's like an A minus side. That's a good, a B, that's a a good movie. Side. That's a good movie. But you know, Mike Nichols's final film. Yeah. Um, Hoffman. Aaron, Sor- Sorkin, Sorkin, a great a great PSH performance. Robert. A great a great final scene. You know <sighs> that that is very applicable to kind of. Yeah. Any American imperialist. Charlie Wilson's War, another have. another movie that on the the cinephile game night for Julia Roberts. None of us really see. I think in Charlie Wilson's War, nobody got it. She has that great iconic moment where she just is walking out of the bar. She's the war in it, right? She plays the war. Tom Hanks, play, Charlie yeah, Wilson. She's the yeah, war. Yeah. She's Wilson. She's actually playing the the, oh, volleyball. Oh, okay. the, the volleyball. Charlie, from... comma. <laughs> yeah, Wilson. yeah. They tried to get the volleyball uh, back from Castaway, but he was very busy. He was you know, busy. Was yeah. waiting his rate. He, you know what? His rate. Let me tell, tell, tell you two things about the volleyball. His rate's <laughs> insane. Yeah. His rate's insane, and honestly, on set, he's you can't rely on him. So Real I'll handful. just say that. Yeah. I'll just say that. Yeah, it's just. It's always floating away, right? When you easy need replace, he's an easy replace. I'll say that. As, a, replace as a producer, easy replace. That's all I said. <laughs> <laughs> no, she has that great iconic moment where she's walking out of the bar and she just like looks at all the like young girls, including Amy Adams, there, and she just looks at him and says, "Sluts," and just walks right out of the That's room right, and, and everything. Right. Oh, Emily Blunt, young Emily Blunt. Emily, Emily Blunt yeah. has like a one, Blunt. one or two scene kind of role. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a, yeah, that movie's good. Interesting movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. But I would say I mean, though. A lot of the early stuff is interesting just to watch, right? Like Bachelor Party, not a B side, but like you know the Money Pit, right? You know, like these things. Punchline, interesting movie. Punchline, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sally Field. He's kind of a mean guy in that movie, which is interesting. I think mm-hmm. at, at a younger age, him playing that that character. Um, By the way, Mitchell, back to what you were saying, uh, not to jump around or anything, but like when you were talking about Bad Lieutenant, Port Call uh-huh. in New Orleans. Has like easily a top five Nicolas Cage moment for me in that in that movie where he's where they shoot up a guy and and Cage is out of his mind. He says, "Shoot him again," and they say, "What for?" He says, "Cause their souls still dancing," and just like hysterically right. laughs. Yeah. And it's one of the great laughs Nicolas Cage has ever given us on screen. And just that movie's fucking insane. Like mm-hmm. I, there's a part where he like frisks a guy outside. A club or something i remember and it was one of the funniest things i've ever seen just love movie? cage good movie. good movie i want to watch it again oh hologram for the king is also I was, good i was gonna, I was gonna yeah. ask you what you thought of that movie. It's very it's much it's, very it's, much well, my kind of movie so. yes dan yeah, yeah, yeah. quick question is larry crown a b-side i think it's hard because he directed it um it's hard to but, call it a b-side but i yeah but i would say i would slip it into the b-side mm-hmm. but i think because he directed it you could you could you make the it, argument it, you could convince me it wasn't but it, but um, that's the thing about larry crown is you kind of forget that he directed i know and it's a weird oh, I've, never, I've never forgotten i mean yeah mitchell is playing. finch or <laughs> is finch or like uh dan like, thoughts uh, on finch <laughs> i like finch <laughs> i like finch are you kidding me yeah is finch Dude, or, Caleb or what is jones, the, the other performance one? Caleb Andrew Jones is giving it Finch. Greyhound. Incredible. Greyhound is definitely a B-set. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good movie. I think. Yeah. I think it's good, though. We had uh, Jay Ledbetter guest on our Castaway episode, which hasn't been released yet at the time we're recording this, but he spent a good 30 minutes kind of... Um, Hating on Finch? 
No, no, yeah. adoring Finch. Yeah, yeah, Finch is good. Finch Recommending is good. Finch yeah. high and wide. Ryan and I have not seen Finch, so I think we oh, you should watch Finch before, before the end of this podcast. Uh, I think it's hard. It's this hard this current the weird COVID COVID Hanks were like <laughs> he's just making these movies like for like dads like me. I'm a dad, right? Like yeah. Like, hey, I'll make this submarine movie that's like 82 minutes long. Like, yeah, I'll watch <laughs> it. Yes. Like I watch, I did watch Greyhound the first moment. And then like available. and then News of the World, which I would not right. call it, I would not call B-side, I think is a good Western. I mean, it's Greengrass doing a Western. I forgot it's, that that's Paul Greengrass. I was like, it's for very long? good. It's yeah. Greengrass stabilizing the camera, which is its own <laughs> weird. <laughs> It was like yeah, restraint. Like, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about yeah. yeah. Tripods. He can do it. Can do um, it. You, you could just feel like he was sitting there, probably like his hands are just shaking, right? Like a cinematographer. He's, he's, got, he's, got two, like, he's got two people holding his hands back. Yeah, he's trying like, to... We almost on, wanted Paul. to ask. You got we, it, Paul. We're almost done. This is the final we had, shot. <laughs> we had Darius Wolski on the B side, mm-hmm. weirdly, and me and Connor almost wanted to ask him about, like, hey, Darius, like. Did you say to Paul, like, hey, can we could just leave the camera here? We could just, just keep, let's just keep it. I would have. Would have. Paul, just leave it. Just leave. Let's We're just gonna keep leave it, it for We're a little while. See what happens. Craft services happens. right over there. Yeah, just see. You, <laughs> just know? you can just watch the monitor. Watch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we did not ask him that. But uh, uh, anyway. Yeah, those are all. I like all of the all of the more recent. I haven't seen Elvis, but all of the more recent. Uh, oh, definitely a B side Elvis. Right. Well, I don't think any boss. Not, I don't think any boss could be a B side. It was. It was. Facetious. I know. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. I'm just saying. But, there but, could El- never but be it would be. Boss. It would be great. B side. Get it. Elvis records music. Anyway. Ooh. Sorry. All right, well, like Dan, th- thanks for joining us for this one. It's been. <laughs> It's been a pleasure. So we really appreciate a lot. having you. We, 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 we talked about a lot of movies, some of them the Lady Killers, some of them uh, not. Do you want to wrap us up by telling people where they can find your work? Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm on Twitter at DJ Mecca. Uh, the B-Side Podcast you can find wherever you listen to your podcast. I do Fathom Stories, which um, is my little short story, Twilight Zone-esque podcast. So you can listen to, they're short, 10 minutes or less. A lot of good stuff in there. Definitely check that out. That's yeah, at Fathom Stories, Fathom, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And that's me. I got reviews on the film stage. Um, and just yeah, man, that's where you can find me. So or come to Pittsburgh. I'll be here. <laughs> Dan Dan in Pittsburgh for all the Pittsburgh yeah, guys yeah, out there. Or, you know, anybody fly on over. Ryan, yeah. plug your plug your stuff. Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterbox at Ryan McQuaid seventy seven. You can find my work at Awards Watch and Session Film, Film Speak, Playlists, a bunch of other places. There you go, and you can find me at it is Mitchell on Twitter, letterboxcom slash Mitchell. Um, I do podcasty stuff. Um, what are you signaling? No, I was, just, I was just going to count it down. Just like, okay, so the first place. Oh, is... gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah, like yeah. going on. I, I write some stuff. You can find them at Film Stage, Pace Magazine, Playlists, other places, uh, wherever. I would like to recommend because Dan is here. I was on the B side recently. We did a right. Hackman episode that yeah. I had a very good time with. Um, as I have said earlier in this podcast, B side, my favorite podcast. I will recommend it forever and always. And we love um, you for it. Next week, we will be talking about the one and only 
Larry Crown. Dan, quick thoughts on Larry Crown? Wow. Um, <laughs> I have not seen it in a long time. I, I remember, haven't seen it since it came out. I remember so. thinking it was very nice. <laughs> I'm this is a Larry Crown. He goes back film. to school, right? He gets fired. Community right? college. Right, real, right, right. Real right. Billy Madison. Julia Roberts is the teacher or something. Mm-hmm. Rami Malik is his um Pam uh, Pam Greer's is, in is it. Is part, part of the class. You know, Cedric the Entertainer. We talked about is it. Is that the last thing he's directed? I believe yes. so. Yeah. Yes. Wow, he should direct another movie. He should, yeah. Well, I mean. Larry Crown too, you know, yeah. why not? Right. It's, yeah. it's an, it's year university very, this time. Yeah. I'm very excited for <laughs> a, a, a film that I demanded. We include on the series. You demanded to include Larry Crown. We, we, what did Ryan say when you demanded to include Larry Crown? On- God, bless say, God bless him. God bless him. Ryan yeah. was like, he was like, all right. Man. Yeah. Fine. We, yeah, we, because we obviously cover i mean i guess we could our friend Murtada, you know does sundays did sundays yes, with kate yes, and yes, did, yes. you know many years of covering every film and kate blanchett's filmography which both dan and i were guests on at one point um mm. and so i mean we could but because we ryan and i want to do many other scenes, actors many yeah. actors yeah we really set a limit for ourselves with just 15 as like the maximum amount but- of films Larry Crown had to make the cut. Well, that's the thing. So we were gonna do we were gonna do Sleepless in Seattle as one of them, and I made the pitch that we replace something with Larry Crown. We were in the mid, like we were we had recorded a few, and I was like, hey, you know, buddy, the more that I've been thinking about it, the more I just we gotta do Larry Crown. We gotta, gotta replace something, and we're doing it, and I'm very very excited. So, well, like we say, man walks on the moon, right? We all remember. Mm-hmm. JFK assassination, right? <laughs> Larry Crown gets released in the theaters. Those are the three. I saw it in theaters. Did you really? I didn't see it in theaters. Yep. So I've Ryan... seen that yeah, movie three times. Wait a second. <laughs> not right, in the we'll, theater. We'll it. Not we'll in the theater. It. We'll get into it. But we'll get yeah, into it. I've we seen... don't need. To, we don't. Dan doesn't need to hear. I I know LC very well. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll be keep, listening. So I'll be listening. Keep an eye okay. out. Keep an ear ear open for Larry Crown next week. And until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>